all the movies, all those comics, all the games, all those toys, all the TV, the animation. Just give us, just give us one hour and 45 minutes and we will give you everything. Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 219, the first brand new fully recorded episode of the official Marvel podcast of all news, new releases, action, adventure, and brand new sound effects. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent and Vice President and Executive Editor, joined by... I am Marvel... What am I again? Marvel... You can do it. Editorial Director of Marvel Digital Media Group, Ben Morse. Uh, I am also... Just to pull back the curtain a little bit because we love you guys. We love you fans. Those sound effects were not digitally generated. (gasps) I was doing those with my mouth. Wow. But yeah. That was a professional level of sound effects. That was like a Michael Winslow level job right there. Totally. I wish there was an intern here to go who's Michael Winslow. That would be so upsetting. Yeah. I don't think I could handle that. No. But here we are. New year. Yeah. New year. New you. Uh, Brian's moving my mic around. I think. Because I... Who, who knows if we've got this stuff here. We're winging it. We're not technically savvy people yeah. with this equipment. And no Blake here. No intern. Nope. So. We should have a new intern next week. Hooray. Um, she'll hopefully be in here helping us with the podcast. But Very yeah, good. we're kind of flying solo this week. And we got a lot to cover, too. We got a lot of comics that came out. 900 comics came out. 900 comics came out. And we got 897 of them in our bundle. Yep. Um, then we've got some news. We've got an interview with Colin Bunn that I did a little while back talking about Uncanny X-Men. That's one of the books out this week, so that's why we're going to air it this week. And then we've got not just your questions and comments, but your, your was this, of the year, like your favorite thing of the year? So we got tweets, uh, normal tweets from you guys, from the regular <sighs> listeners. This is going to be too much. We got email questions, or email messages, just a couple mm-hmm. of them, but they're fun. Uh, and then we put out a call on Twitter. We wanted to know um, what everybody's most excited for in 2016. So we have a ton of those that we want to get to, and uh, it's super fun. We're going to get to all that stuff at the end of the show. It may be too much. It's probably I think too it's much. too much. Yeah. Yeah. We're giving you guys more than you need. Yeah. And think about and it. And can handle. This is free. Yeah. So all of this for the price of nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Pretty great. What other podcasts can say that? None of them. No. Other podcasts charge money, right? Sure. Okay. That's a business model. Yeah. But we're going to dive right into the new comics this week with a big number one launch. We've got A-Force number one. That's right. Look at those shooting stars right there on the the opening page there. A-Force. That was not me, guys. That was our digital soundboard. Uh, A-Force number one, written by G. Willow Wilson, art by Jorge Molina, colors by Laura Martin. Uh, This is so dope. You've got the characters uh, from the A-Force Secret Wars limited series, Singularity, She-Hulk, Medusa, Captain Marvel, um, and we know Nico, Minoru, and Dazzler will be showing up. Someday, at some point. Yeah, this issue really focuses on Singularity, Captain Marvel, She-Hulk, and Medusa, because Singularity wakes up in the Marvel Universe remembering her friends in A-Force and the reality that happened in Secret Wars. But she finds out quickly that the rest of the characters have no friggin' clue. Right. None of that happened. She meets Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel's like, who are you? Weird space thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we get introduced to a really cool character who's part of Alpha Flight, who's one of uh, uh, Captain Marvel's crew. She's here. We get a cool villain, like this really nasty, weird space thing. Uh, Jorge Molina is just phenomenal. The art here is ridiculous. Uh, Singularity has this great like 
animated personality that right. really comes across with uh, Jorge's art. And what course, I like is her shape is never the same in two consecutive panels. She's always kind of like shifting around. Yeah, she's very fluid. But Exactly. At the same time, she feels human, mm -hmm. which is very strange since she's just like the star thing. Right. Uh, this star field creature, whatever she is, but hopefully we'll find out at some point. Uh, but she uh, deals with, you know, she gets to Captain Marvel, then she gets to Earth. She sees She-Hulk. She, there's big battles. Um, she's a hero. She's maybe suspected of being a villain. Who knows? But Medusa shows up and it's like, whoa, great first issue. And great first summary. Right? Right. This is it. This, this is, is how we do it. This is how we do it. Guys, we're pros. And it took a lot of pros to put together Amazing Spider-Man number six, uh, specifically Mr. Dan Slott, who wrote it, Matteo Bufagni, who is the artist, Marte Gracia, who did the colors, and our buddy Joe Caramagna on letters. This is the start of a new story arc called The Dark Kingdom, and it's all about Mr. Negative. You remember Mr. Negative. You sure do. He's that great villain, Martin, Martin Lee. Lou? Martin Lee. Lee. Martin Lee. Martin Lee. Martin Lee, L.I. Um, related related to Dealey from the legal department. Oh, um, he is in prison. He gets busted out by Cloak and Dagger. Who, if what? you remember, when last we left them, they were in his employ, and they'd also been flip flop. They've been Freaky Friday'd. So Cloak has Dagger's powers, sort of, and Dagger has Cloak's powers, sort of, and they are still corrupted and working for Mister Negative. Always cool to see them. Uh, neat to see their new powers on display. He ends up. The, the three of them end up in China where they have some nefarious plans going on. But by coincidence, hey, Peter Parker is also in China because, as we know, Parker Industries has set up all over the world. So he's in China to work on some energy projects and sees that Mr. Negative is out and a cloak and dagger on the loose. You get a cool Spider-Man against cloak and dagger fight. You also get Spider-Man using his new gadgets, his new gimmicks, his new tools, his new web shooters where he can now, uh, you know, be like web cartridge number five and it'll be laser web shooters and web cartridge number seven and it'll be pizza web shooters and it'll be Yay. stuff like that he uses those pizza web shooters a lot but i need pizza web shooters right now just <laughs> right, in just right in your mouth yeah the force would be so extreme though the force is with us oh always um I've, see now i'm picturing pizza web shooters just like shooting like mozzarella or mozzarella <laughs> as Italian. did i tell you about the i didn't tell you about this guy just yesterday tucker intern tucker late late of this podcast yes. wrote me the nicest uh, like going away letter but he wrote a PS about Italian Tucker mm -hmm. did you do you get anything like this I have a letter and I keep rem I brought it home to read it at home and it's sitting on my table yeah, that's what I did too so he it's pretty much um it's it's it, it tells the story of what happened to Italian Tucker <laughs> after we after we last left him and and gives his ultimate fate. I don't want to spoil it because yeah. there's no spoilers on this podcast. Um, getting back to this one, uh, it's really cool. I just like seeing Spidey in action. I like seeing him use his new things. Um, I like seeing Cloak and Dagger. They're a really cool concept, and you know people have been trying to get them to stick for years. So maybe this will be the one that does it. And Mister Negative is a really cool villain. He's really cool. We haven't seen him in a while, and I dig it. Yeah. Uh, all right, up next we've got Contest of Champions number four. Uh, so this is, if you're not familiar, uh, not necessarily adapted, but like connected to thematically the game, the super duper crazy hit game Contest of Champions. It's a massive hit. Crazy hit. Uh, so you have the idea of the summoners and, you know, like these, these two teams with their summoners and then their like crews of uh you know who's on the main squad who's on support and all this stuff 
and they're facing off. And you've got the uh, collector's team, who is uh, the summoner is Maestro. He's got Ares, Outlaw, Guillotine, Stick, and Gamora, all from the Marvel Universe. Versus Grandmaster's team, who is all like alternate versions, mm -hmm. uh, alternate Earths. Uh, his summoner is Punisher 2099, who we just do not get to see enough of. I know. It's but driving when, me crazy. Unless you see him on every page, will you be satisfied that you're seeing enough of him? Never. Okay. Never, never, never. Go um, Jake Gallows. Ooh. Uh, he's got a name. Yeah, uh, so he does have a real name. His crew is um, Rick Jones, Hulk, uh, Venom, uh, which is this weird Venom, to even more insane yeah. version Still of Still Eddie Brock, though. Uh, a like seemingly more innocent version of the Sentry. Uh, a Bullseye, who is Electra Nachos, who is nasty, really nasty. AF in this issue. Uh, and you've got a couple other characters we've seen. Why do you AF? Why don't you as F? Okay. Why are you censoring as? Well, because when you see it on 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 the internet, it's just. Oh, I, I'm, I didn't know this was an internet thing. Yeah. As you know, I'm generations behind you. TFW when you uh, TFW explaining things to Ben Morse. Yeah. That feeling when. Oh right, right, right. All right. Anyway, getting back to things. This is written by Al Ewing, art by Paco Medina, uh, and Juan La Juan Flasco and David Curiel. So in this issue, uh, it's actually. My favorite part of this is all the stick action that happens in here. Stick. You do love some stick I action. I love stick. He's in here and... Specifically stick action. Yes. Uh, he's in here fighting. So it's our stick fighting this alternate version of Electra. Mm -hmm. So he has this history with our Electra, but like there's a really cool dynamic going on here and it plays out in very violent, very cool fashion. Uh, you've got the, the Ares Sentry uh, encounter. Blood feud. It's great. Yep. Like everything in here is is like hitting on all these cool elements. You get to see Guillotine in um doing something different with her powers, which super cool and uh, I want to see more of that. Plus a bunch of great moments and especially at the end where Maestro reveals the next part the next member of the team, you Ben yeah. will lose your mind for it. I have not read this issue yet, so I'm excited to lose my mind. Yeah, it's really, really good. Uh, and if you're not reading Contest, I think this is this is the issue that like clicked it up another notch. Puts it over me. the top. Totally. Uh, like the movie, Over the Top. Yep. Speaking That's of Over the Top, to. we've got Deadpool number five, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Mike Hawthorne, Terry Pallet, and Guru FX. Uh, so this is really getting to the... This is the big... Uh, Madcap versus Deadpool yeah. throwdown. I, when I was a kid, I think I saw Madcap in like a couple issues of Captain America. Mm -hmm. I thought he was kind of goofy. I mean, he is kind of goofy. Kinda That's his whole deal is he's kind of goofy. But there was something about him. I was like, it's kind of scary that this guy cannot be hurt or it killed or anything. Like, doesn't feel pain. Doesn't feel pain. Like a Nothing's wrong. So I was always like, you know, there's there's something there. This issue of Deadpool was like the realization of all the childhood hope I had for Madcap just being this incredible villain. Yeah. See, I don't remember Madcap growing up. Like, mm -hmm. I have a vague recollection of his existence, but I, for some reason, I thought he was a hero, maybe? I, I don't think know. He, I think he was like kind a 90s anti-hero? Yeah, I think he was like an anti-hero. Interesting. Well, he is not a good person. No. He is really, really messed up. But he has reasons for what he does. He has... They're twisted There's reasons. an origin to his... His insanity and his villainy. Well, specifically, here. his grudge with Deadpool. 
yes. Uh, I don't think that excuses it in the least. No, no, I'm not making excuses for him, but I yeah. mean, it's it adds a layer of intricacy to it. Yeah, but you get Deadpool versus Madcap uh, Massacre shows up, who yep. is you know like the character we talked about recently, who is the, ago, yeah. yeah the the um, Mexican version of Deadpool, so to speak. He's basically a big fan of Deadpool's from Mexico, uh, who has become pals with Deadpool and is helping him out. And Deadpool has his whole squad, who you get to see in action here, all of them trying to take down Madcap. And uh, I got to give it to Jerry and Mike. It's disgusting. It's gross. This issue is vile. Oh, it's terrific. It's vomit inducing. Yeah, it's disgusting. And then uh, you get these like cool highs right at the beginning. Mm -hmm. You've got Deadpool seeing Ellie, his daughter. Yep. Then you got crazy lows right by the end. And it's neat little guest cameos too. Yeah, totally. From those and um, man, yeah, no, just just the. I like that you know Deadpool of course has his rogues gallery, the T rays and the slaybacks of the world. Oh yeah, but. Madcap is a perfect adversary for him because he is, in many ways, his opposite number. Yeah, he's a zany, unkillable, unhurtable guy uh, who has a little insanity. But I, I kudos to Jerry for taking that plot point from the Deadpool annual that he didn't write, if I recall correctly. Mm. I don't remember who wrote it. I want to say Acker and Blacker wrote it. Um, but the whole bit that Madcap was the voice in Deadpool's, in Deadpool's head, head for years yeah. and making it into. A, a way for Deadpool to have a legitimate arch enemy. Yeah. I think it's really cool. It's incredible. Yeah. Also incredible, Doctor Strange. You thought I was going to go with Hulk, didn't you? I fooled you. <laughs> you knew I was going because we're in the same room and you're facing me. Um, but Doctor Strange number four, written by Jason Aaron with amazing pencils and colors by Chris Pachalo. Uh, man, he really goes to town on this one. This story is called The Art of Puking Without Puking. I had no idea so, oh what god. I was oh going to get. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh but, my god, oh my god, oh my god. All right, it opens up with a black and white sequence years ago of the Ancient One teaching Doctor Strange uh, about the price of punching somebody. When you punch somebody, your hand hurts. So when you cast a magical spell, what happens? You're going to pay a price. Something's going to hurt. Something's going to be down in the future. That's what, at, at the heart of this issue, that's kind of what this issue is about. It's about the price of magic and how... Doctor Strange pays it. And this is something we've never seen before. We've never seen Doctor Strange have real consequences for when he casts a spell. He just casts a spell, things done, adventure's yeah. over. Hooray. Everyone goes back to what they're doing. Magic fixes everything. Yeah, exactly. And that was for years the knock on Doctor Strange was, you know, he's so powerful. How can we have him do anything? Well, in this issue, through a lot of different ways, we get to see him paying the price. Uh, we get to see him preparing to pay the price. Um, man, it, it, it's hard without getting into specifics on this one. I will say that he's at the bar with no doors with all the other magic users in the Marvel Universe, Scarlet Witch, Magic, our boy Hellstrom, a bunch of new characters, as they're preparing for the fact that Sorcerer Supremes keep showing, from other dimensions keep showing up powerless and dead on Doctor Strange's doorstep. And it's pretty much at this point every other Sorcerer Supreme, so something is coming. Meanwhile, back at the house, back at the Sanctum Sanctorum, uh, a book has died. Uh, Velma, the new librarian character who is working for Doctor Strange, notices that the book of Watum, you know, where he always uses the wand of Watum and all the spells from that, the book's just dead. It, it's, its pages are empty and lifeless, as she describes it. So Doctor Strange, magic is gone. Doctor Strange goes to the temple of Watum to investigate after he has lunch, which Ugh. is another whole plot point in of itself. And when he gets to the Temple of Watum, things are even worse than he thought they were. And just what Chris Pachalo does 
I mean, let, let's look at this. Over the course of the first few pages, he's got to, over the course of the whole issue, he's got to draw whatever Tibetan monastery the Ancient One's in. He's got to do the bar with no doors. He's got to do the Sanctum Sanctorum. He's got to do the Temple of Watum, which is this crazy underwater place. Um, there's something going on with Wong, by the way, which I didn't even know. I need to on. know what's up. And, you know, just all these cra- all this crazy scenery that Vachala just has to dream up, and he does it seamlessly. And that's not to mention characters and spells and it's the artifacts. beauty of comics. It's pretty amazing. Um, and this is going to be continued with Doctor Strange. Hopefully, does he, he hasn't gotten his axe yet. He's got his axe on the cover of next issue. Is that Kevin Nolan? Yeah. Oh, Kevin, Kevin Nolan. Nolan's covers add a whole other thing to this, man. Whole, Ridiculous. Whole another level up to the whole deal. Um, I, I do want to say I love I love the series so much, but it... If you are reading it, you instantly know it's a Jason Aaron comic. Oh, for sure. And I say that as the greatest possible compliment. In a loving way. The most affectionate way. It is damn near perfect. It's like a big old hug. Big old hug. Making sure. All right. uh, Up next, we've got Guardians of Infinity number two. If you're sleeping on Guardians of Infinity, wake up. Yeah. Get up. Also, there are much more comfortable things to sleep on. Like, yeah. find, find a pillow. Yes. Uh, so this is such an awesome series. You get two stories up in here. First one is by Dan Abnett, uh, art by Carlo Barberi, Walden Wong, and Israel Silva. And it has the three teams of Guardians from the uh, Guardians of uh, 1016 AD, the Guardians of our time period, and the Guardians 3000 in a classic uh, superheroes, you know, meet cute, yep. and then fight cute, and then friend cute. I like that, fight cute. Yeah. Uh, it's that, but meet it's a fight. three-way dance, and I won't get into too much wrestling mm-hmm, talk, because mm-hmm. I know a lot of you get turned off by the wrestling talk, but it is terrific. Then they have to face... It's actually not a three-way dance. It's more of a triple threat. Right. Because Fine. no one's getting eliminated. Yes. Uh, tech, well, you never know. We yeah, don't have all the rules here. No, we haven't we seen... Have all no, right. Nothing is laid out in front of us. Uh, we know that they're fighting. They also then get thrown into a fatal four-way... Uh, as a new uh, series of villains, like really scary-ass villains, uh, are introduced here. So you've got this team of the Guardians from 1016 AD, all new characters, really, really cool. You've got these villains who are introduced, really, really terrifying, uh, this big story, and that's only half the comic. Then you've got a second story written by Robbie Thompson, art by Jim Chung, inks by Walden Wong, Guillermo Ortega, and colors by Matt Wilson. So ridiculously talented crew there as well, doing a story called Lonely Days and Space Nights. And it will break your friggin' heart. It's It's tough, man. It is one of my favorite Drax stories ever. It's incredible. It's beautiful. It basically tells a story of... Heartbreak, Drax, his love, his life, uh, remembrance, hope. It introduces a whole slew of characters. Or yeah. reintroduces? No, I think this is introducing them for the first time. That's amazing. It's amazing. Rocket goes. Rocket finds that Drax isn't uh, on their in their house or crew spaceship wherever they are. Drax is missing. Nowhere. Yeah, maybe Presumably. they're nowhere. I guess. <laughs> but Rocket has to go. Is like, where is he? I'm gonna. He sees that Drax's room is messed up, so he goes to find and him. And Drax, a notorious neat freak, would never leave his room <laughs> like that. In going to find him, uh, Rocket meets these new characters. Uh, he finds, like, we get introduced to this, um, another series of villains that have this really cool, like, 
way of changing perception mm -hmm. and reality and, and stuff. And then you get introduced to what's going on with Drax. And I will say no more because it is terrific. Robbie Thompson is consistently throwing out some incredibly emotional and, and intense stuff. Doing some really good stuff. Um, you know what's good stuff is Howard the Duck number three, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Joe Quinones. You got any other credits we want to mention here? No. Oh, yeah, Joe Rivera. He's inking. So let's let's give him some love. Hell yeah. I uh, love Joe Rivera. So the first two pages of this issue have Howard the Duck, like, as the Silver Surfer going through space, and then it's never referenced for the rest of the issue. So I'm assuming we'll get back there at some point. Um, one week earlier, Shocket and Linda, who are the Howard the Duck and Rocket Raccoon genetically designed mates from the collector have have, have gotten down to uh, where the next fall realities are supposed to be and they have a little bit of a fight cute with Howard the Duck and Tara uh, Tara is just great continuing to use her shape-shifting powers to try to be a superhero and she's a fun character we find out that the next of all realities is now inside Howard the Duck or he has somehow merged with it so they want to take Howard go back to the collector's planet ship whatever and rescue everybody else there, then use Howard as basically an escape plan, an escape contingency. But partway there, they get waylaid by the Stranger, another creepy cosmic old guy. I mean, all the cosmic beings in the Marvel Universe just seem to be these creepy, voyeuristic old men. The Runner, yeah. the Gardener, my two favorites. The, run the Runner and the Gardener are a whole different class. They're not, I mean, they, they at least have hobbies. <laughs> like, the Collector is, his hobby is just weird, and the Stranger these is just a... a He's a weirdo. These are real characters. Yeah. I love it. Look it up, guys. Um, anyways, Howard gets captured by the stranger, so that means that Linda and Shocket and Tara need to go seek backup, and that's going to be fun. There's also, speaking of backup, a backup story wrapping up Howard's adventure with Gwenpool, written by Christopher Hastings, art by Danilo Beruth, and we'll have more on Gwenpool later in this episode. Ba-bam! All right, we've got Invincible Iron Man number five. I think this wraps up the first story arc, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by David Marquez and Justin Ponsor. Uh, so this is, uh, you know what? It opens up narrated by Mary Jane Watson. And everybody was like, what is Mary Jane doing in the Iron Man comic? Bleah. Well, you get to find out what's going on in here. She's opened her club, and immediately, immediately to her chagrin, superheroes and supervillains are trashing it. She's got Iron Man facing off against Madame Mask, and, uh, spoilers, not really, because it's, it's, we've been going through this series for five issues and Doctor Doom is on the cover. Doctor Doom is here, rolling deep with Iron Man though. They have to take down, or at least try to take down Madame Mask. And you get to see what has been going on with Madame Mask the last couple of issues. Uh, it was not, ex it wasn't what I expected and I don't think her story is over by a long shot, but uh, we get to see how that all shakes out. It's really cool team up stuff. Really disgusting. I mean, we talk about him every single time an issue comes out, but David Marquez is on fire. His art here is so good. He's nailing all those expressions. He's doing really cool things with reality and just everything. He is top notch. Uh, Doctor Strange shows up in this issue. There is, if you have been reading Invincible Iron Man, you know there's a really great bro moment between uh, Tony Stark and Doctor Strange. Last issue or the issue before. But anyway, throughout the series here, big payoff for that 
really, really dug that. Uh, and by the end, you get to see uh, what Mary Jane Watson's role in Invincible Iron Man might be. Up next, we've got Marvel's Captain America Civil War Prelude number three, uh, written by Will Corona Pilgrim, art by Lee Ferguson, colors by Dono Sanchez Aramada. And uh, this is really uh, an adaptation of Marvel's Captain America The Winter Soldier. Uh, Lee Ferguson's art, though, super, super cool. Mm. It's very, like, very pop, mm-hmm. you know, really, like, animated and fun and um, if you love the movie which I'm sure you do this does give a really cool uh, take on the film and on everything that we loved about the film to begin with so it's bonkers cool up next we've got Nova whoa 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 let's not forget about Miracle Man number six but it is not on our list Uh, it's probably not on the list because I don't know this is the digital list yep Yep. keep keep it going yep Miracle Man number six written by Neil Gaiman art by Mark Buckingham. It was actually done years and years ago. Uh, It's kind of a really great comic. Uh, This wraps up the Golden Age storyline and sets up the Silver Age, which we will be starting in March, which means we're going to finally get some new Miracle Man material coming up soon. But this this old stuff is definitely worth worth the read. Totes. All right, can I go? You can go now. All right. Also worth a read, we've got Nova, uh, number three, written by Sean Ryan, art by Corey Smith, colors by Andres Mosa. Uh, shout out to C.B. Cebulski, who shows See? up on the, on the cover here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Marvel's own C.B. Cebulski uh, on the cover, which is a great cover by Umberto Ramos um, and Edgar Delgado. Really, really cool. But anyway, this picks up. We We seemingly see that Sam Alexander has discovered that his father is not his father. In the previous issue, there was this really weird stuff happening with Sam's dad. Uh, and we thought, oh, everything's great for Sam. Well, maybe everything isn't great for Sam. And here, he sort of breaks it to his mom. And then it's just like teenage funk. Or I guess, how old is Sam? He's, he's a teenager. He's a teenager. Yeah, he's in high school. Yeah. Uh, he is uh, moody. And he's bummed out because his world is not as awesome as he had hoped. And he's he's got family stuff. He's trying to still balance his school, his work, and his superhero life. But uh, Tony Stark rolls in to the Avengers as they're building their new like headquarters, which mm-hmm. I think is an amazing little detail in this book. It's neat. It's really, really cool. You have Ms. Marvel and uh, Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and Nova, Vision. They're building this new Avengers headquarters. Tony comes in and he's like, hey, uh, Vision, you deal with this. Kids, you go like hang out. Yeah. Like, take some time off. Bond. Yeah, exactly. Which is great because all teams need that bonding moment. It's yeah. It's really, really important. Not so great for Vision, who then has to do everything. Totally. Uh, but in doing that, of course, the kids are, you know, like, hanging out and trying to figure out what they want to do. They run into some Moloids. Mm-hmm. They see some Moloids. And the Moloids... Ain't that the worst when you're just, you know, having yeah. a leisurely afternoon and some Moloids get in the way? Every Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Moloids lead them underground to their Moloid city, and it, the story goes Moloid in one direction. I believe. Yeah, the story goes in one direction, and it was like, oh, I got like super bummed out. I was like, these poor Moloids—they're hungry, they're sick, they need help. The Avengers are gonna help them. This is a cool thing. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, stupid old Mole Man, freaking Mole Man, shows up, and he just messes everything up. And by the end, we get some. Uh, some crazy stuff that the uh, the younger Avengers here will have to deal with. Meanwhile, in a galaxy far, far away, 
like that. You did it. See what I did there? Yeah. It's a pretty successful uh, little franchise right now. Should We should, we should help them out. On that. Yeah. yeah, no, help them out. Not what I said. Uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin, number one. New limited series written by Charles Soule. Art by Marco Caquetto. And colors by Andres Mosa. Dipping into the original... Well, not the original chronologically. I don't know. How do you say this? How, how do you talk about the trilogy of episodes one through three? Because you can't call it the original trilogy, right? Because the uh, other one came out first? Call it the original trilogy. Somewhere in episode two-ish land is taking place this adventure. You, you're, but you're talking about the prequels. Yeah, the prequels. Yeah, that's not the original trilogy. Right. So I'm talking about somewhere the in the prequel, prequel trilogy. Yeah. Um, prequel era. The prequel era is where this adventure is taking place. Uh, Anakin is having some doubts about what he's going to do with his life, which, as we know, turns out horribly. Spoiler alert. Um, but Obi-Wan is still his master. He's taking him on missions. He's training him. Gorgeous art by Marco Caquetto as he's doing explosions, big cities, lots of uh, lots of robes. He has to draw a lot of robes in this. That's required. But we also see Anakin back at the Jedi Temple, uh, sparring, putting his lightsaber skills to the test, doing some really cool stuff. Um, and we get appearances by Mace Windu, we get Chancellor Palpatine, yeah. we get all these characters who I totally know the names of and I'm Look just trying you. to impress you. Yeah. Uh, we get a Zeppelin. We get multiple Zeppelins. Famous in the, the Star Wars universe, it's, the Zeppelins. Yeah, the Zeppelin, the preferred mode of transportation in the Star Wars universe. And then we get two characters who don't know what a Jedi is. But that, but. that was what I dug about this. It was like, yeah, maybe this world, they have no like concept. They don't, they're separate from the Jedi, they're separate from uh, the Republic. They sort of developed on their own, mm-hmm. away from influence that would have come from the rest of the galaxy. So Zeppelins, sure, why yeah, not? Yeah, why not? Yeah. When you don't have, I mean, it's it's a perfect example of us here on our real Earth where we don't have Jedi mm-hmm. or Republics. We have at some point had Zeppelins. Yeah. That's what happens when you don't have Jedi. 100%. You get Zeppelins. It, you it's, can quote us on that. It's a mathematical equation. Yeah. Think about it. All right. Up next is Rocket Raccoon and Groot Number 1, written by Scotty Young, art by Philippe Andrade, colors by Jean-Francois Bellu. And Ooh. right off away, we find out Rocket and Groot are dead. This yep. is eight months later after it's the too Civil bad, War man. Stuff. They had a good run. Yeah. I mean, somehow they have their own book. Yeah. But we find out that Should they're dead. Should be a very interesting book. Yeah. And the rest of the Guardians are sort of having a little... Different call, degrees of upset about it. Yes. Um, they, they're having a little mourning period, funeral wake thing for them. Yeah. Uh, and then they shoot their whatever they think, the kind of remains that they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, they shoot them off into space. And then... Some clippings, some fur. <laughs> yeah. And then we get introduced to two other characters. Uh, Pockets and uh, Shrub. 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 Shrub is the... All right, guys, it's only one weekend, but I'm going to say Shrub might be the the sensational character find of 2016. (laughs) Uh, Pockets and Shrub are basically Han and Chewie. Yeah. Uh, And they're like these uh, smuggler-type dudes, and they take on a mission uh, for this mysterious hooded character, and it's terrific. There's lots of cool stuff. They uh, take them to a planet uh, with a big old crazy tyrant named Lord... Raxoon. Raxoon. Raxoon, who's got a Vader-ish helmet on. Uh, so cool great we can do that now, just yeah. with impunity. Totally. Uh, but Pockets and Shrub are, you know, taken prisoner. And it's just, 
this is wacky, but it's I was very upset dark. to see what happened to Pockets and Shrub because I feel like we're not going to see them again. I feel like we will. I hope we will. I feel like we will. I hope we uh, will. because I really, really dug them and I want to see more of them. Uh, but we find out what they were smuggling is something we're not going to spoil. Yeah, it's a big part to this series. It's very integral into the storytelling here, and it's a cool reveal right at the end. But leaves a lot of mystery uh, because it's really weird and twisted. And uh, I think Scotty and Philippe have done some cool stuff with design and, and possibly giving us some clues as to where the story is going. And where Spider-Man 2099 is going is straight into issue number five, written by Peter David with art by Will Sliney, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. It's a team up between Spidey 2099 and Captain America 2099 as we learn a little bit more about Roberta and her deal and how she is in this time period and what's going on, her capabilities. They're chasing this killer from 2099 named Queeg, which is a great name. Uh, just, you know, really says it all right there. Says all you need to know about him. He's Queeg. Uh, they find a way to turn his weapons against him. Then he gets saved by an unlikely source and we get a big reveal on the last page that will keep propelling this particular adventure forward. Yeah. Uh, all right, we've got another big number one this week. Spider-Man Deadpool number <laughs> one. What? I was is... so excited for this one. Yeah, me too. Uh, written by Joe Kelly. Art by Ed McGinnis, Mark Morales, Jason Keith. So if you are a classic Deadpool fan, if you love Deadpool from way back, which I know so many of you do, Joe Kelly, Ed McGinnis did a seminal run on Deadpool, which I feel like, in my gut, we're probably going to talk about on Twim URC I feel like soon. I feel like we probably should. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to that in, in, probably within the next month or two, but here it is. They're back. They're teaming together, and it is magic. Pure magic. Uh, yeah. And you get not only the Deadpool stuff, but you get him teaming with Spider-Man. Remember that one issue? Yeah. Oh, we're my God. Back in time. The classic one. The best Classic one. Deadpool issue. Yep. Oof, 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 oof. But... Right away, it's Spider-Man and Deadpool bickering to each other. They are tied up. They are being held prisoner by Dormammu, who's got mindless ones. Really, really cute-looking mind, like very stout, and they've got these little aprons cuddly, on. Cuddly, almost. Kind, yeah, kind of cuddly, mindless ones. Yeah. And Deadpool and Spidey are webbed together. Uh, Deadpool is getting excited. I can't, I can't believe we got away with this. I am very excited I, that we got away I, with this. I feel like this is... This is internet losing their mind over this. If not they just that. It. Not just that. Let's let's back it up for a second. I mean, we don't take a lot of credit for stuff because we're very humble. But I feel like our increased encouragement of the bone zone. Yeah. Like this is what results. Yeah. This is what happens. We will. This is what we made. Yes. That you and I and all the twin listeners mm -hmm. have willed the bone zone into deeper, bigger, yep. thicker prominence to show up. And, and it's starting to penetrate the Marvel universe. Yes, yeah, it's it's popping all over, mm -hmm. and uh, it's great. It's really really great. So yeah, there's definitely bone zone illusions yep. throughout this issue. Not which, even illusions. I mean, it's straight up bone zone. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and it's terrific. Aside from that, we get to back up and see how Deadpool and Spidey got brought together in this, and it includes Hydro Man, who is a character that you do not see nearly enough of no. these days. Plus, they make him really cool and like threatening mm -hmm. throughout this issue. They turn him into the the my favorite part is turning him into a disgusting sewage monster. Yeah. Oh, it's gross. It's yeah, really it's cool. terrible, man. 
What was that? Something just I fell. Know. Some paper just fell. Terrific. This uh, is what we need interns for to protect us. One of the coolest little things in here, and something that um, editor, I believe it was was either Nick or Jordan. Uh, yeah, they're probably working together. Yeah, they're whatever. They they come to me. I'm sure Nick's doing all the work. Jordan's probably out at the Skywalker <laughs> Ranch or whatever. I don't remember if it was Nick or Jordan who came to me, but they, they are working on this together, along with Devin Lewis. But they came to me. Deadpool has this app that mm-hmm. he references in this series that um, sort of has tell, tells him mm. how he should act almost. And it's if you know like those uh, chaotic, neutral, neutral good, like the, that chart thing, there's a Deadpool version of that in this, which we definitely want to see more of. So hopefully we'll see more of that. You've got a Banff in here. You've got sewage monsters. You've got bone zone action. You've got Deadpool um, basically tricking or trying to trick Spider-Man into things, and a big twist right at the end. It is fantastic. And 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 oof. I don't know if this is on the digital issue, but on the print issue, with your purchase of Spider-Man Deadpool number one, you also get a free copy of Vision number one. It's the it's a basically the whole of Vision number one is printed in the back of Spider-Man Deadpool number one, and it is a fantastic issue. Yeah. This is possibly the greatest comic ever produced. <laughs> I'm glad we put that in there because I feel like we've been touting Vision. A lot of people have been touting Vision, but not everyone has picked it up yet. If there was a, a book to attach to something, definitely Vision is the one because we want to get it out there. We want more people to read it. Yeah, I love this so much. Yeah, More Spider-Man in Spidey Number 2, written by Robbie Thompson, art by Nick Bradshaw. And I want to call out the colors of Jim Campbell, who I'm not familiar with his work, yeah, yeah. but this is a beautifully colored book. Um, just the art on this book. You you could publish this. No offense to Robbie Thompson. You could publish this without word balloons, and I'd still be all over it. Just watching Nick Bradshaw draw Spider-Man, draw Peter Parker, specifically get to draw the Sandman. His take on the Sandman is one of my favorites, maybe, of all time. Uh, just look at that cover. So good. How much detail he puts into it. So what we've got is Spidey, of course, is the story of a young Peter Parker and his learning the ropes of Spider-Man, encountering villains for the first time or for among the first times, and also navigating his personal life. In this case, he has a tutoring session with Gwen Stacy, where now Gwen is going to teach Peter about history. He's going to teach her about science. It's a nice little switch off. It may give him some coaching because he clearly uh, would love this tutoring session to go somewhere beyond the tutoring realm. So we see how that goes, but we also see Spider-Man in action against the Sandman, and we see creative use of Sandman powers, Spider-Man having to figure out a way to take him down, uh, cracks about how he always wears the same shirt. It's all good, man. It's a fun comic. It's a beautiful comic, and it's something any Spider-Man fan should own. Yes. All right, Star Wars number 14. This is part five of six of Vader Down, so the penultimate part of this huge story. There you go. Starting off the year right using Penultimate. Penultimate. Uh, Written by Jason Aaron. Art by Mike Diodato. Colors by Frank Martin. And as I was talking about with Doctor Strange, you know this is a Jason Aaron comic. Hmm. As you read it, it just has that feeling. Even though it is absolutely, completely different, it's got that vibe. Partially because it's Chewbacca versus Black Kersantan. Uh, Well, it's also, it's Chewie and R2 and Han versus Black Kersantan, who is this, like, evil um, bounty hunter... Uh, Wookie, and it is full of it's got a bear hug, it's got uh, headbutts, it's like wrestling and action and violence and you know, gunplay and just fantastic violence I love the violence you, you really are getting on to the violence Yeah, uh, but Black Crescent ain't no joke he is here and he is thrashing Chewie 
up to a point. Mm-hmm. Han realizes what's going on. Chewie gets a much needed uh, boost, and then it becomes a real battle. All that stuff is going down. Then you've got um, Luke, who is fighting off stormtroopers. You've got Triple uh, Zero and BT, who are the evil uh, droids that are in the employ of Darth Vader. They're here. They're amazing, as usual. They... Um, they get to unleash themselves in really wonderful ways. Uh, you've got, of course, the big battle that's going on as Darth Vader has to face off against Commander Carbon, who is this um, uh, calamari. As you say, he's uh, one of the calamari. He's a Mon Calamari, yeah. um, just imperial soul commander uh, who wants to take. Vader's place at the Emperor's side. He's got four lightsabers. He's got a mostly robot body. He is mean as heck. So it's full of crazy battles throughout this. It's really, really a terrific, excellent issue. So let me ask you a question. Hit me. This is a Star Wars novice question. What is the deal with lightsabers? Can anyone use a lightsaber? Yeah, anyone can use them, but to you, you mostly (laughs) there's a good chance you're gonna cut off. Parts okay. of your body. So if, they're hard to use if you're not a Jedi. Yeah. I mean, because they're, they're laser swords. Yeah. And they are, yeah. I just, I guess for the longest time, I assumed only the Jedi or the Sith could use uh, lightsabers. And then I, I'm picking up these books and seeing, you know, just everyone and their mother using lightsabers, but just not doing it very well. So that makes right. sense. And, and a guy like uh, Commander Carbon or General Grievous mm-hmm. have these robot bodies that are more specifically designed so as to so allow them to simulate the skills of a Jedi or a Sith. Yeah, they, they are uh, more precise, less clumsy than a normal physical fleshy body. Very well. All right. I am satisfied with this answer. Terrific. And ready to move on to Totally Awesome Hulk number two, written by Greg Pak, art by Frank Cho, colors by Sonia Obak. We have Lady Hellbender fighting the Hulk. Lady Hellbender, of course, you know as the monster queen of Seknarf 9. Duh. That's that she's best known. Uh, she's pretty great. She's fun. She's got a cool Frank Cho design. She has like, one one side has a, I don't know, like a braid. One side doesn't. Yeah, that's the most important thing about her. No, she's really <laughs> cool. She commands these monsters. She has an awesome mission on Earth. Uh, Amadeus Cho tries to flirt with her. It's a huge mistake on his part. Uh, we get to see another. We, we get to see continue the evolution of Amadeus Cho as Hulk. He is insistent. He trying so hard that you're wondering who he's trying to convince. Saying he is not like other Hulks. He is totally in control. But we do see him lose control a little bit here when his sister's in danger. Some awesome fight scenes drawn by Frank Cho. Flashback to what's going on with Bruce Banner. How did we get here in the first place? We're kind of going bit by bit on that. There's the question of whether or not Lady Hellbender may be an ally and rather than an enemy. We're not sure. She's at cross purposes with what the Chos are trying to do, but she, she may have a better idea. And Amadeus does something pretty gutsy at the end of this. And we get a huge <laughs> monster cameo, uh, which is going to lead to next issue drawn by Cho. This is like the perfect character for Frank Cho to draw. It's awesome. If you couldn't tell, I was thrusting my arms about the room. That's what he was doing. Thrusting about. Thrusting. All right. Uncanny X-Men, number one, another big launch issue this week, written by Colin Bond, art by Greg Land, Jay Lyston, and Nolan Woodard. Uh, This is a good introduction to this new Mm -hmm. X-Team. Right away, we've got Magneto just picking up cars, causing chaos, getting pissed off at humans, letting them shoot themselves when they try to shoot him. You got, boom, Sabretooth crashing into cars, punching in windows, and not killing people because he's yeah. still he's still he's a nice guy he's, he's, he's a nice-ish, good dude nice-ish. he's a good dude 
you got Monet being just awesomely Monet, <laughs> Super M. Psylocke is in here. And then we get to see Archangel. What, what? is going on yeah. there? This is eight months later, remember? Yeah. So there's a lot that's gone on. I'm a fan of Greg Land's Archangel, by the way. Yeah. It's it's really scary. Yeah. Like, he's very menacing and imposing. Uh, but it's this you get this cool double two-page splash hero shot of all the characters. Like, you know, you can hear the music swell. And it's like... Like, really cool spot right there. Uh, but what they're doing is stopping this truck from this company called Sunday, which is a service... Totally voluntary, it seems. Hmm. So the, this X crew is kind of a jerkish move. These mutants have put themselves into this almost like cryogenic freezing process to stay away from the Terrigen mists that are poisoning and killing mutants. They're doing this. They're staying in these cryo cryo tubes in order to be woken up once the threat is over. But Magneto's like, no, 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 no. You're going to live nah, here. Nah, and, nah, uh, nah, nah, nah. Deal with it. Yeah, that's exactly what Magneto says verbatim. <laughs> and uh, the X team sort of like breaks these people out and says, just stand up, be a mutant, do your thing, live your life, help people. Yeah. The, the, the X-Men are like, why don't you go out and help fellow mutants? Do something productive. Don't just hide. Do they call themselves the X-Men at any point during no, the issue? No, they don't. I was going to say, I don't know if they're technically the X-Men. Right, just... but this book is called Uncanny X-Men. I'm oh, calling I'm aware. Yeah. Uh, so we get that, and there's there's a lot of cool mystery going on with this team, their relations with each other, their mission, all this other stuff. Boom. And then there's a return on the last page. So exciting. Which had me so thrilled. Had me so thrilled. And I will not say anything more, even though I think Cullen talks about it in the interview. He talks about it in the interview, a little bit in the interview that we've got coming up in yeah. a little bit. So wait for that. He'll He'll do it justice. Yes. Over to The Vision, number three, written by Tom King, art by Gabriel Hernandez-Walta, colors by Jordi Belair. And let's shout out for a sec the uh, the cover by Mike Del Mundo, which is Virginia, Vision's wife. Would that make her Virginia Vision? Yeah. VV. Um, is literally sweeping the dead body of Grim Reaper under a rug, which is awesome because that's kind of a big part of what this issue is about. With Reaper's oh, scythe. Oh, yeah, with his own scythe. Uh, which has been ripped off his his body, so we've got a few different things going on there, uh, going on here. We, we've still got the vision settling into suburbia, um, some no good nicks from the neighborhood, uh, spray painting their house. It's really the issue is really Virginia is the most captivating character for me. I am. She is this creation who's like the vision, but. She's dealing with so many emotions all at once and has no idea how to process them. And she's trying to act, She's her whole purpose is to try to act like a human wife. So she's trying to offer support to Vision. She's trying to be there for him. But at the same time, she killed the Grim Reaper a couple issues ago. She doesn't want Vision to know. She's concerned about her kids. She's just acting like, I don't even know, man. I'm, I'm so intrigued by what is wrong with her or maybe nothing's wrong with her. And this is just how she copes and just... How a character like the Vision, but not the Vision, deals with the circumstances she's dealing with. At the same time, weaving in through this whole story is this story of Agatha Harkness uh, going to, I think, to tra yeah, to Transia, uh, which is the country where Scarlet Witch is from, and this whole something going on with this flower and people wanting to know the future, and we have Vision working with Tony Stark to try to get his daughter back, more weird stuff with Virginia. Just such a crazy cool book. I 
this one just every month intrigues the hell out of me. Yeah. It was really, really good, upsetting at times, mm-hmm. thrilling. It's like, I don't know, it's it, those like really good, captivating, hour-long drama mm. shows. Yeah. Like it's of the that caliber, really, really good. It feels cinematic in all the best ways. Yep. It's incredible. Really, really good book. All right, we've got Weird World, number two, written by Sam Humphreys, art by Mike Del Mundo, with colors also by Marco D'Alfonso. I love this series so much. It's incredible. You've got Goletta, who is the wizard slayer, uh, and Becca, who is this uh, this woman who is really, she got lost in Weird World as she was trying to bring her mom's ashes to Mexico. Uh, her mom died, and we get a little bit more of that in here, and it's like, oh, it's really intense. Uh, but uh, Becca gets wrapped up in the craziness and the weirdness of Weird World, and Goletta. As one does. And it's just amazing. We get a great montage page of Becca, like, tr- basically training to be uh, Goletta's squire and failing miserably. We get Goletta driving uh, her great, her awesome, uh, like, muscle car type thing. Uh, Goletta Mobile. Yeah, the Galetta Mobile. We get Sand Sharks, and it's just great fight. We get some really cool character stuff for Becca. Uh, just amazing like Beetlejuice art. is in there? What? No. There's no Beetlejuice in here. Uh, <laughs> I got caught off guard. Uh, some amazing stuff. Uh, we get to see a lot more of the politics and, like, cr- cool stuff with Morgan Le Fay and, and the balance of power in Weird World. If you don't think political intrigue is interesting, wait till you see how Sam Humphreys does it. <laughs> he's got lava men. He's got a man-thing army. He's got one of the most powerful witches uh, in the history of the Marvel Comics lore. Uh, you've got something called the Wushin Seed. Uh, and you've got a uh, cat beast, uh, which is just incredible and ties into what we saw in the first issue. Everything in this book is my new favorite thing. <laughs> it's ridiculous. We also get introduced to the grand mechanic uh, in discussion throughout the issue. And then one look, I am in love with this series. Um, gosh, so good. All right. Also so good. Our last book of the week is X-Men. Worst X-Men ever. Number one of five. Now, this is a digital first series. Uh, I imagine it at some point will come to print. Oh, it will. Yeah. Oh, it will. Oh, it will. Uh, But this is written by Max Bemis, who is a musician. He's in band called Say Anything, which is really terrific. Pencils and Inks by Michael Walsh, who we've talked about uh, extensively on this show. Really love his work. And Colors by Ruth Redman. And this introduces, um, you know, this new character who kind of is the worst X-Men ever. It's, uh, It's really, really cool. He's just this ordinary kid who's bummed out about being so damn ordinary. But he gets a sit down from his parents who explain to him he is not nearly as ordinary as he may think, which leads him to figuring out he's a mutant. And then, boom, rat attack going to the um, the Xavier school or the Jean Grey school. It's it's a school. The timing of this is, is unclear. Don't it's, get hung up. on. Yeah, it's not like, yeah, don't be like, well, this character is dead and this character looks different. Don't worry about maybe, it. Maybe this, they are. This Whatever. is just this. Is, think of this as like a cool evergreen story that you want to enjoy. It's Doesn't need to issues. fit anywhere. Does not need to fit into continuity. It's really cool. You get to learn about this kid, his powers, uh, the school, some new characters introduced, and it's like really. It's, I was surprised by how funny and you know cool and like it. 
great it was, and then it hits this like crazy turn uh, that I was like, whoa, this is really friggin' good. Uh, very, very cool stuff, and we get um, a lot of cool cameos, new characters, and I'm really digging the possibilities here. Uh, there's so much that we can see throughout this book. Super jazzed by it. Oh my gosh. I'm super jazzed by the fact that we covered all those books. Yeah, we good did for it. us. 100 issues deep. Whew. A lot of good stuff this week. Uh, Spidey, Doctor Strange, um, Vision, of course. But I'm going to give my tome of the week to Deadpool. I really, really like this, what they're doing with Madcap. I thought Jerry Duggan did a great job there in my Cawthorn as well. I have, this is one of the hardest weeks I've ever had. This is one of your picking. gravest challenges. Yeah. Because I loved A Force, I mm-hmm. loved Deadpool, but you've already picked that one. Well, that take that makes it a little easier. For yeah, me. Doctor Strange was definitely high up there, um, and totally uh, awesome. Hulk, I loved X Men, uh, worst X Men ever. Surprised the crap out of me, and I really was thinking about picking that. And it's t- I'm torn between Weird World mm-hmm. and Spider Man Deadpool, mm. and I I honestly don't know where I'm gonna go, so I'm just gonna pick. Not anywhere near them, so I'm going to go Spider-Man Deadpool. So Deadpool gets a uh, double a dose double, of DP. Double dose of winning. I thought you were going to go with Double Dark. dose of DP. You, du- you didn't double even dose react of DP. to it. Great. Good job. Good job with the double dose of DP. Um, <laughs> you didn't even mention Guardians of Infinity, which I had know. the Drax story oh, you loved. Oh, God. It's so good. What is this week about? Yeah. What what could possibly top this week? I don't know. By the way, Secret Wars number nine is out next week. <gasps> I already read it. How dare you? Yeah. I cheated. Um, <laughs> I violated the sacred bond of this podcast. Um, collections on sale this week. Amazing Spider-Man Volume 1 is out in hardcover. I'm assuming that is the first collection of the new series. That would make sense since we're on issue number six. Uh, Color Your Own Deadpool. Deadpool Classic Omnibus Volume 1 also out in hardcover. Deadpool's Secret Secret Wars. Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man and the Avengers in digest form. Silver Surfer Volume 3, Last Days, Star Wars, Darth Vader Volume 2, Shadows and Secrets, and Ultimate End, which just wrapped up like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Also on the app this week, we've got everything we mentioned with the exception of Miracle Man plus Deadpool and Cable Split Second Infinite Comic number 6. Yeah. All right. Also on sale on the Marvel app this week, we've got Daredevil number 102, numbers 131 and 132, 146, 162, 223, uh, all from the original Daredevil series, then issues 20 through 25 of the 1998 series, then Daredevil Annual uh, number one, then Daredevil Black and White number one, Daredevil Blood of the Tarantula number one, Mm. Marvel Universe Avengers Assemble 13, Marvel Universe Avengers Infinite Comic number one, uh, Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man 21 through 31. A lot of stuff. Digital collections on sale this week. We have Deadpool, Secret Secret Wars, Marvel Universe, Ultimate Spider-Man, and the Avengers. Star Wars, Darth Vader, Volume 2, Shadows and Secrets, Ultimate End, Hulk, Scar, Son of Hulk, New X-Men, Childhood, Childhood's End, Volume 3. Words are hard. They're, they're tough. Yeah. Nomad, Girl Without a World. There you Super go. fun story. Oh, definitely yeah, check fun. that out. Uh, it should be on Marvel Unlimited. Mm-hmm. If you have Unlimited, definitely check it out. She-Hulk's Hunt for the Intelligentsia. Extreme X-Men Volume 2, You Can't Go Home Again. And Young X-Men Volume 2, Book of Revelations. Meanwhile, freshly digitized over on the Marvel Unlimited, we've got 1872 number one, Age of Apocalypse number one, Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows number two, Civil War number one, Ghost Tracers number two, Inferno number three, Lando number one, 
Marvel Universe Avengers Assemble Season 2, number 9, Master of Kung Fu, number 4, Mrs. Deadpool and the Howling Commandos, number 2, Runaways, number 2, Secret Wars 2099, number 3, Spider-Verse, number 3, and Squadron Sinister, number 2. Wow. Ben, it's time for some news. And now, from Marvel Headquarters, it's This Week in Marvel News! Okay, guys, here's some news. We mentioned earlier that we have seen the end of Gwenpool and Howard the Duck, but that's okay because she is moving over into her own ongoing series. That's right, the most unlikely of ongoing series will be Unbelievable Gwenpool by Christopher Hastings and Gurihiro, which will be coming monthly very shortly. Also, we've started doing our best of 2015. That covers comics, that covers movies, that covers TV. So please check those out. Um, enjoy and let us know what you think using the hashtag Marvel2015. Over in games, they have introduced champion levels into Marvel Puzzle Quest, which means if you had uh, your character at a certain level and you wanted to step up a little more, some of the earlier characters now have even more place to go. Uh, there's a whole article on how the mechanics works that Ben Chavala did. And over in Contest of Champions World, Groot is now playable. Hot damn. Uh, Got to give a shout out to latest de- episode of Marvel Superheroes What the? Oh yeah. Better late than never. Yep. It's the Doctor Strange Holiday Spectacular. Yep. Which uh, features a doctor who does things. Nice. Very well done. Know? Very well huh? done. Huh? And it's amazing. It's set in... Uh, the, Uni- the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom. Yeah, we don't say where, although I guess London because we use Big ben, ben and yeah. a bunch of other landmarks, so yep. never mind. For Forget sure. I said anything. And it is terrific. It's so fun. Uh, you definitely have to check it out. It's on the Marvel YouTube. It's it's on our social media. It's on Marvel.com. Uh, toys uh, started announcing some Captain America Civil War stuff. Mm-hmm. Diamond Select has mini-mates that are out there. You can get to first look at those on Marvel.com. Uh, you can start to see Funko's pops for uh, you know Captain America Civil War show up. Um, and there's going to be tons more to come as we get closer to that movie. Yeah, we're just at the tip of the iceberg for those. Tippy top of the ice bag. All right, I think we're going to go out west to our venerable West Coast guys. We're going to go to an interview with Colin Bunn, and then we'll see you guys in a little bit. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, baby. Hello out there this week in Marvel. This is Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh coming to you with a brand new episode of What Up, Wolfman, starring me, What Up. That's my name. My name is What Up. And last name, Wolfman. So if you want to call me What Up for short, that's cool. Uh, Mr. Wolfman also works. Whatever, you know, whatever you, whatever you feel like. Just go with, go with your heart. Go with what your guts are telling you. Uh, we got no Mark Strong this week, so I apologize in advance for what you're about to put up with. But I'm pretty excited because we have some exciting news. Uh, just this morning, I believe, we posted a new motion poster for Marvel's Daredevil Season 2. That's right. Season 2 is coming. It is going to premiere in full on Friday, March 18th at 12.01 a.m. Pacific Time. That's right. So, uh, man, this season is going to be so good. We've got John Bernthal playing Frank Castle, and we've got Elodie Young playing Electra Nachios, not to mention returning cast members like uh, Eldon Henson as Foggy and Deborah Ann Wool as 
uh, as Karen. Man, this season's going to be so good. So, yeah, get excited. Let's celebrate. Let's have a good time. Let's go to Netflix. Let's all watch it together as soon as it premieres. I'm going to be awake watching it. I don't know about you. What else do you have to do? It's going to be a Friday night. You're going to be staying up from St. Patrick's Day. And before you know it, it'll just be, oh, guess what? Day after St. Patrick's Day? Now it's Daredevil Day. That's what they're calling it. It's, uh, I don't know if Obama will approve that, uh, but I'm going to write a letter. And as long as I get 100,000 signatures, I'm, you know, the White House will have to address that March 18th will now be known as uh, Marvel's Daredevil Day. And alliteration, Daredevil Day. That just sounds great. Anyways, we posted that motion poster as well as like a, a, just the static poster featuring an image from that motion poster. It's really cool. I think this, this upcoming season will be, in a word that is often overused, epic. It just seems like a lot of big stuff is going to happen in season two. So that's awesome. But if you're looking for Marvel television and you cannot wait until March 18th to watch Marvel's Daredevil, then make sure you tune in to the return of Marvel's Agent Carter on January 19th at 9 p.m. on ABC. To get ready for that, we celebrated with some new images uh, featuring the cast, both new cast members and familiar faces. You'll see who's returning to join Peggy on her adventures, and you'll get a just a hint at some of the people she might be meeting along the way. So make sure to check those images out. Uh, what else have we got? Well, I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, speaking of television and the fact that I was talking about Daredevil just a few moments ago, just make sure you stay tuned to marvel.com we might have some other things uh other things in store for you in regards to daredevil again don't want to spoil it but if you liked what you saw today if you like what you saw this morning uh head over to marvel.com and just stare at it until you see any new content we celebrated uh, thanks to you guys for first of all thank you all for listening just to just to we appreciate all the listeners that we have we apologize for all the dumb jokes that we make, but uh, we wouldn't be here without you. If there was nobody listening to this, we'd have no reason to record. So thank you all for listening, and thank you all for helping vote on the Marvel Best of 2015. Uh, Over the last few weeks on Twitter, we've been asking people to use the hashtag Marvel2015 and been posing questions every single day to try and get an idea of who you guys considered to be you know voting on all sorts of different things and this week we've been posting articles like i know ben posted about your favorite comic book character from 2015 i don't have that list off the top of my head because i did not write it however we did talk about your favorite marvel tv moments There were some really cool moments, some from Daredevil, some from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., some from Marvel's Agent Carter. I don't want to give everything away, but head on over to Marvel.com to check out what took the top honors. You also voted on your favorite Marvel Cinematic Universe movie fight. 
So we uh, we had two. Yeah, does that work? Does that count? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I know what I'm talking about. Yes, they were Marvel movie fights. So they were fights featured in Ant Man and uh, Marvel's Avengers: Age of Ultron. Yeah, there's some cool stuff in there. There might be some surprising uh, some surprising entries, but hey, you voted for those things, so you have no one to blame but yourself if you disagree. And again, not to spoil anything, but just to kind of tease some things that might be going on later, uh, both myself and Ben, maybe other people, I don't know, will continue posting some of your favorite, uh, favorite things from the world of Marvel in 2015. I think that's it. I can't think of anything else to say. It's 2016. Happy New Year. Uh, the, glad to be here for another year. Really, I have nothing else to say, so I'm going to say that this is this is not goodbye, but this is Smell You Later. And now welcome to This Week in Marvel, our very special guest! Okay, everybody, we are back, and we have got a guest. Welcome to This Week in Marvel, Cullen Bunn. Good afternoon, sir. Hey, how are you? I'm great, man. Happy to be talking to you on a uh, lovely Friday afternoon. Not sure when we're going to post this. Hopefully, it'll be on a Thursday because that's our regular day of posting. But you're uh, you're hitting the hitting the workbench hard, yeah. You're you're there. You're putting together the comics. I am. That's uh, it's uh, I am. I'm a. I've been stuck in this chair all day long. So <laughs> you're not getting any exercise. No, I, I am. I just started working with a personal trainer because I realized that writing comics is not conducive to uh, uh, staying in shape. So I, I started working with a trainer a few weeks ago. Hey, man, that's great. That's uh, very proactive of you. Yeah, yeah. She uh, she thought it was really funny when uh, I had my car keys in my, my workout shorts. I, I reached in my pocket to pull my car keys out, and uh, I pulled out candy bar wrappers. Uh, <laughs> Along with the car keys. Why Why were they in your workout shorts? Listen, don't judge me. I'm not judging you. I'm trying to, I'm trying to help you. It was a, it, you know, it, it was a you know, moment of weakness. I yeah. have a lot of those. Were they, all, were they more all-purpose shorts that you just happened to be working out in? Uh, no, I probably had a candy bar on the way over to work out. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, I guess you need that fuel, right? That's right. It, that's what I tried to tell my trainer yeah how'd she feel about that <laughs> she's not she didn't she wasn't buying it no, wasn't buying no it. well wasn't buying it. well that's great man i'm glad you're i'm glad you're getting into shape we've been talking a lot on the show recently about ryan going out and doing uh half marathons over at disney so maybe next year you'll join him yeah i saw that i was i was actually uh, I, I said to myself when i saw it maybe maybe next year this yeah. time i can do those without the falling over and puking well even if you do fall over and puke you still could just get back up and finish the race that's right. That's all you can do. It's the Marvel way. That's how uh, I live my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing you do not need a personal trainer for is writing Uncanny X-Men, which you are doing as we speak. It's going to be coming out in December. Uh, this is pretty cool, man. I mean, you're inheriting basically the X-Men book. People can say, you know, they're writing the flagship X-Men book, or this is the flagship X-Men book, but Uncanny X-Men is the book. It's the one that started back in the 60s and has been running pretty continuously all the way through. So before we even get into the six of what's going on in the comic itself, what's that like? What's it like being the writer of Uncanny X-Men? You know, it's uh, it's pretty – It's 
it's it's pretty uh, surreal for me. Uh, you know, I've said in many places and many times that you know, Uncanny X Men was probably you know the most important comic you know to me as I was uh, you know when I was a, a young comic book reader. Mm-hmm. And it was a book that uh, you know uh, my dad and I collected together. He wasn't into comics, but he he enjoyed collecting comics. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it was a book we we collected together. He he, you know. So you know, I was, and you know, I remember vividly reading issues at the lunchroom at school, and and you know, I, I was reading them pretty pretty out of order, I think. But I still, uh, you know, still they were uh, they were they were very important comics to me uh, growing up. So it's uh, it's surreal and, and humbling and, and exciting. So what were some of the highlight Uncanny X-Men runs for you? What were some of the big creators, big stories, big characters? Well, you know, obviously, you know, the Dark Phoenix saga was probably probably going to rank pretty high. Mm-hmm. But so is, like, you know, the Days of Future Past storyline. And, uh, and you know, I really remember, I think the era was when that I, that I most associate with, with, with my favorite era of Uncanny X-Men would have been when John Romita Jr. was... Uh, was illustrating it, nice. uh, so you know all in, all during that you know that era of, of when he was illustrating the book meant you know those were were favorite issues of mine and and I remember being you know shocked then after after that when you know we got to you know the fall of the mutants and mutant massacre and things like those you know those stories kind of you know, blew my mind when I was a kid. Yeah, I know. That's some pretty heavy stuff. And, I mean, it really – those were the stories where they were really hitting the metaphor hard of, you know, the oppressed people yeah. of the mutants being uh, kind of put upon. Is that something that influences you? I mean, I, you can definitely see it just in your Magneto run, which we'll get back to. But is, are, are, are those kind of formative for you? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think they are. You know, those were the, the issues that, that – that when I think about what – you know, what – you know what is an X Men book about? That those are the issues I think of, and and yeah, I think like you said, they were they were really leaning into into the metaphor, and uh, and and I I kind of you know I think that's an important thing. I don't necessarily think it needs to be a, a sledgehammer over the head right sure, now, but sure. but I think that always has to you know that that element always has to be in the book. Yeah. And now we're in a period with the all new, all different stuff where once again, you know, mutants are, I think the line in, uh, in, in Jeff Lemire's Extraordinary X-Men was basically, they're no longer hated and feared, now they're just hated. Um, right. Is that something yeah. you're going to be tackling in your work? Yeah, absolutely. You know, they, uh, they are, it's interesting you say it because, uh, you know, it's, it's, he's absolutely right, they're hated. And uh, and one of the things, you know, the line used to always be, you know, oh, oh, they're fighting to save a world that, that hates and fears them or whatever. Right. Uh, and now the world has actually turned toxic to them yeah. to some degree. So it's uh, it's even, you know, it's taking it one step further. And, and yeah, with my group, you know, Magneto has a has a little mission statement that we don't we don't get into right away. We, we get into it towards, you know, the, the second arc. We really lean into his his mission statement. But, uh, you know, the idea that the world just hates them now, well, Magneto kind of wants to make some of these people fear them again, too. Mm. All right, let's talk about Magneto for a little bit since you brought him up. You worked on Magneto's ongoing series for about a year, year and a half, uh, going right up into Secret Wars. It was awesome. It was one of our favorite books. I think that's, that's the you. last time we spoke on this show was about Magneto, if I'm not mistaken. Um, talking a little bit about that, talking about how it was almost kind of you doing a horror book without doing a horror book. Yeah. Um, 
So you've lived in this guy's head for a little while now, which is certainly dangerous. Uh, in addition to yeah. some of the other <laughs> some of the other heads you've been living in. Um, how do you feel going into Uncanny X-Men number one? You have a different point of view on Magneto than you necessarily had going into Magneto number one back when you launched that book. Yeah, it's a it's a different it's a different kind of story, um, and there there are elements. You know, I, I'm I'm carrying some of the you know the personality I was writing for Magneto. I'm carrying that through into into this into Uncanny X-Men, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not. It's definitely the tone of the book is different. There are moments where the tone may, because I'm dealing with a team book and I want to give all the members of the of the team the spotlight mm-hmm. at some points. So, you know, when I give Magneto the spotlight a little bit, maybe it feels a little bit more like a, uh, the Magneto, uh, you know, ongoing for for a few pages. Um, and that's kind of a. It's, it's, that's one of the things that makes it so much fun is I get to to play with a lot of different sort of tones and moods and and even genres with these different characters so that said who else is going to be featured in uncanny x-men that we can talk about uh you know i think i think everybody's kind of been announced right there, there's one character that hasn't been, been announced yet but uh uh yeah so I mean, it's a different kind of it's a different kind of uncanny x-men team we've got uh, different. uh in addition to magneto we've got uh psylocke uh monet uh, and those, you know, you may accept those are, you know, traditional sure. uncanny X yeah. characters. But then you've also got Sabretooth, uh, Archangel, uh, Mystique, and Phantom X uh, in the mix as well. Yeah. So it's definitely so, uh, a, a, a darker edge team than we're used to. Yeah, uh, a little bit darker. I mean, you know, they're, they're, it's a fierce team of, uh, of X-Men. Uh, jokingly, I've said, you know, when you have a team that Sabretooth is the moral compass, right? It's, uh, you, you know you're dealing with a, with a different kind of group. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing for me is, if you think about it, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about each of them, is, like you said, Psylocke and Monet, kind of the more traditional X-Men characters. Phantom X certainly has had some dark days, but he has been on the side of Angels before. Sabretooth, after Axis, has gone through a bit of an attitude adjustment where he has, like you said, something of a moral compass. Mystique's the one who's kind of out and out. Even though she's been on the X-Men before, she always has her own angle. What, what, what's Mystique's place in the book? She's probably the character I'm most kind of intrigued by here. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're, you're right, though. You know, one interesting thing is all these characters have been, you know, members of the X-Men yeah. at one time or another. Um, Mystique's, uh, and, well, first of all, uh, when we jump into the first issue, it's kind of the team is... Uh, you're not going to see all of those characters uh, working together right from the beginning. Okay. Um, you'll see a you know a smaller group uh, working together right from the first issue. Um, although you'll be seeing the other characters uh, you know, involved as well. Uh, but Mystique was an interesting one to me when I when I listed her that I wanted to put her in the book because she has played so many you know uh, she's she's so uh, mer- mercurial she, yeah, <laughs> and she's been it. such a betrayer yeah and uh and that's really what I'm 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 playing up and I wanted to explore why she's been portrayed in so many different ways and why she seems to to change with uh you know with the wind um when I when I started the book I, I made sort of a list of each of the characters and I listed a, a number of story points and plots I wanted to to carry through with each of them, um, and Mystique's became very uh, is very exciting for me. Uh, and, you know, and it's not something I'm going to 
fully explore in the first few issues, but we'll start hinting at what, what, what's Mystique's deal and, uh, and explore it a little later on as well. Now, I talked about Sabretooth for a second. This is, like I said, not necessarily the same Sabretooth we're used to. It's not the completely bloodthirsty maniac. He had his, uh, his switch flipped a little bit during Axis, and he is now trying, kind of on a redemptive arc. We saw the start of that uh, just immediately post-Axis. Where is Sabretooth when you catch up with him? Uh, he's still on that uh, that quest for redemption, and uh, and he has has hooked up with uh, with Magneto and, and this group. Um, he has reasons that he, you know, each each of these characters have reasons that they are working together because, uh, you know, it might be a little odd that Psylocke and Sabretooth are willing to, you know, be in the same, yeah, you know, on the same team, yeah, uh, and that will be something that we we deal with quite a bit, but. Uh, but yeah, um, you know, he has a reason for being there with the team, and, and he uh, he is trying to to seek redemption. Uh, it's it's actually for a guy like Sabretooth, it's something he knows he's never going to be able to achieve. Uh, you know, you just can't. Uh, he's done things you just can't come back from, mm-hmm. and uh, and and I think that makes him a really uh, exciting addition to the team. He's probably the character I'm most excited about in mm-hmm. the. In the team, after I, uh, you know, I, I was developing some some story ideas for for Sabretooth and where I want to go with him, and his story arc is uh, is probably uh, the one I find uh, the, you know most exciting and most compelling and, and maybe even the most tragic of uh, of all the characters in this team. You got a lot of interesting relationships there. I mean, you've got just the fact that you have Psylocke, Phantom X, and Archangel on a team right away. People are going to be, you know, leaning, okay, oh, there, there's going to be some soap opera here. Is that a part of the book? I mean, that traditionally, we talked about the metaphor for X-Men, but equal parts important to pretty classic X-Men runs with the soap opera stuff. Is this going to be all just claws and uh, magnetic blasts, or are we going to see a little uh, smoochy-smoochy as well? Well, you'll definitely see some of the soap opera. Uh, I think uh, maybe not the smoochy, smoochy, but we'll see the soap opera. You, maybe you know what? Maybe even some smoochy, smoochy. And in fact, I'll go. I'll go on record as saying definitely some smoochy, smoochy. Oh my but goodness! Probably not between not between the characters you expect. Oh, okay. And uh, and and I think uh, you know we we talk about Psylocke and, and Archangel, and obviously they have a you know they have a a, a history. Pretty but epic I think one. Yeah, a pretty epic history. And when we get into this book, you know, the, where they are is going to be uh, uh, going to be a, the focus of a lot of mystery mm-hmm. and, and what's going on, and, and and really stuff that we're going to really dive into in our second arc. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, there's there's going to be plenty of of soap opera and drama, um, and and probably the. You know, someone someone told me that that's one of the things that uh, that uh, X fans really look forward to. Oh, yeah. Who's kissing who? Yeah. So you know, so of course, and I remember that. You know, when I was reading those books, yeah, I love the superhero battles, but the the drama and and the inter the, the interplay between the characters sure. is really what keeps you coming back. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we've kind of gone through through most of the characters here, but as far as a mission statement for the book, like. Obviously, I, I, we don't want to put all the cards on the table right now as far as why this team's together, what reason they'll have for being there. But what at least is Magneto looking to accomplish by, you know, he was he was 
doing his own thing in your series. He was working solo. Why does he now need a team? Well, uh, you know, going at the you know, if you look at the end of the Magneto solo series, he tried to uh, save the world. You know, the world was ending, and he felt like he could go in and save it and do it all on his own. And he quickly found out that uh, you know that was not the case. That the, he failed in that mission, and the fact that he failed in that mission. Um, is, is sort of a driving force for him. Hmm. Uh, and and yet he, Magneto feels like uh, there's so much going on in the world. There's so many, you know, the cards are stacked against uh, mutants. And he knows that the enemies of mutant kind are going to seek to capitalize on that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's, you know, working with this team uh, to... To, to stand in the way of that and to, and to, to challenge that. Uh, and, and, yeah, you know, I've heard, you know, some people have said this is sort of like an X-Force team where, you know, they're working, they're a secret group of, of mutants working, and that's not the case. Magneto is going to want to be very public in what he's doing. Uh, and, and he will, you know, he's, you know, this is him pursuing or protecting Xavier's dream in the, the way, you know, the best way he, he knows how. Um, and even Magneto comes into this group. Uh, the the group kind of forms. Uh, Magneto is not necessarily the the uh, the origin point for this group of uh, of X Men. Uh, we won't know what that origin point is until a little later on. But he's not necessarily he he didn't necessarily go out and say I'm going to start you know my own X Men team. Uh, it's uh, it, it comes together a little a little in a, in a more peculiar way, I think. Now, we know that one of the things they're going to be dealing with is simply the world. That's going to be a big challenge. You know, like we said, the world that hates and fears them and now currently hates them. As far as more tangible threats, are there any villains? Are there any obstacles? Are there anything? Is there anything you can talk about now as far as who they're going to be facing? Yeah, um, you know, I'm I'm trying to decide if if it's okay to reveal (laughs) their... uh... Their their first sort of villains that they're running into. You can always drop a um, tease, you know. A yeah. Tease. So so the you know I I wanted uh, in this series to kind of uh, even though this is a strange group of of X Men, mm-hmm. I wanted to 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 rely a lot on sort of classic uh, classic you know X Men challenges and, and X Men foes, and uh, they're going to be meeting a group. Of of uh, of enemies uh, in the first arc that I don't think has been around for at least you know a few years. We haven't seen them in any way, shape, or form. Nice. Okay. And they were probably they were probably most heavily used in the in the nineties. That's always uh, good. But a group a group of strange uh, you know classic X Men villains from the nineties that uh, they'll be dealing with. And then beyond that, yeah, there's a there's a lot of other. Uh, a lot of other uh, challenges on the horizon. I, I, I don't think I, I don't think it's a secret. I think I've said elsewhere that the Hellfire Club is yeah. going a new version of the Hellfire Club is going to play a role in the series. Yes. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I really wanted it uh, as much as this is a, a different team of X Men and a different world that they're living in. I wanted to to show off a lot of those classic, you know, X Men style adventures. Nice. 
All right, so we've talked about Uncanny X-Men. That's coming down the pike from you. What you've got out right now is Drax, issue number one, is already on the stands. Depending on when this goes up, number two could be out there as well. How's it going? How's the reception been like so far for Drax? You know, I think it's been, I think it's been pretty positive. It's, it's exciting. Um, one of the, the things I think is most exciting about it is, is uh, because of, of CM Punk, you know, working on it with me, you're seeing, I'm seeing fans coming to the book who aren't necessarily diehard comic fans. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're wrestling fans who are, who are uh, picking a book up because of CM Punk, and, and I'm getting to interact with a, you know, a new group of people. Um, but it's, it's been exciting. I think, uh, you know, my hope is that the book kind of surprised people by, with what it's, you know, with its tone and its style. Yeah. I think a lot of people probably expect it's a book about punching. It's it's and, pretty funny though. Yeah, I mean, and it is. I mean, look, there's action in it. And, oh, there's and punching. There's plenty of punching. A lot of stuff. Yeah, he. I mean, he he is called Drax the Destroyer for a reason. Sure. But we wanted it to to be, you know, a little more than that, and a little different. We wanted it to have some some fun and, and sort of a sense of humor, and right. and not to at least in the first arc, it doesn't. Uh, you know, Drax is going up against some pretty serious threats, but. Uh, we kind of put Drax in a situation that it's, you know, he's kind of this source of, of humor. And it's hard to take it a hundred, completely 100% serious. Um, and, and that's what I, you know, that's what I love about this book is it's kind of got this sense of, of fun uh, as well as adventure, you know, fun, fun and punching, fun yeah. punching. Fun punching and a little heart in there yeah. too. Where you can right. where you can sneak it in. Now I know you and you and Punk are basically you know a well-oiled machine at this point. I'm sure people are making plenty of tag team champion metaphors and things like that. But when you're initially coming on board, you know you've worked with co-writers before. But to my to my knowledge, you can correct me if I'm wrong. This is the first time you've basically been handed a book and said like, all right, you're going to work with this guy who has never outside of one or two stories written a comic before, and you're basically going to be the mentor, the, the teacher. He's said many times he's, he's, he's taken his cues from you. Was that a daunting thing? Was it something you looked forward to? How did you approach it initially before you guys, you know, got your rhythm down? You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because when, when that came up, I don't think I was ever really uh, – I never sweated it. I was like, this is – you know, I, I always knew this was going to be a, a, a pretty – uh, seamless, you know, collaboration, and and yeah, you know, we came onto the book, and and Punk already had a, a, a sort of a, a high level outline of what he wanted to do in the first arc, mm-hmm. um, and we, you know, we talked it out, and and you know, I made some suggestions to you know change some beats so that we had bigger moments at you know cliffhangers and things like that, um, and then you know from there, it's been it's been great, you know, I. Uh, I outline the issues, and then uh, based on on his, you know, on his initial outline, I break the, you know, I, I break it down into sort of a an issue outline, and then we both take, you know, half the book and, and script it, and and I, you know, I feel like his scripts are great. I mean, his his pages are are awesome. I think you know that a lot of that humor that you see in the book, and and a lot of the. You know the character moments. He's he's handling just as many of those as I am. Uh, you know, going in, it would have been easy. You know, I, I wondered going in. I guess I was thinking, I wonder how much of this I'm going to be writing and how much he's going to be writing. 
but uh, but no, it's it's absolutely one hundred percent a collaboration. Now I have to ask. Uh, all of a sudden, you're going to a personal trainer. You know, you're you're getting into fight and shape. Was this was this Punk's influence? And also, does he know about the candy bar incident? I, I don't think I, I don't think he knows about the candy bar incident. Um, you know, it's uh, I don't know that it was his influence, but uh, but maybe. I mean, maybe I decided. You know, I gotta. I gotta represent yeah. Team Drax. I mean, I mean, you know, I don't know that I'm. I don't know that I'm going to be going to you know, doing any Ultimate Fighting anytime soon. Well, that but, could uh, happen, though. Wouldn't that be something? Well, what I if mean, that's my uh, your, your, my story arc? You're tutoring him in the way of the comic writer. Who knows? Maybe maybe you end up getting tutored in the way of the uh, the Ultimate Fighter. Hmm. Well, the big difference is uh, when I'm offering advice on a comic, I'm just saying, you know, maybe we could. You know, you know, maybe we could change something here, and the pain is actually just having to go in and rewrite it. <laughs> While if I were being uh, tutored in Ultimate Fighting, the pain would be getting punched. Yes. Which, uh, look, I don't want to mess up this pretty mug too much. That's true. That's true. You do have that money maker. I'm, yes, I'm, I'm. You know, when when this comic book thing falls through, I need to be able to fall back on my modeling career. Your good looks, absolutely. <laughs> right. All right, Colin. Last thing we got to talk about it. It's the uh, it's the wolf in the room. Um, at the recent Marvel Creative Retreat, I happened upon you talking to Dennis Hopeless, James Robinson, a couple other people, and trying to explain to them who Black Wolf was um, because none yeah. of them knew. And to be clear, everyone, this is Black Wolf with a U. W U L F. No one knew who Black Wolf was. I backed you up because I know who Black Wolf is. Um, Tell the people, the listeners, who is Black Wolf? Why were you excited? Why are you angry at Dennis Hopeless? The whole, the whole ball of wax, man. Let, let's get the Black Wolf stuff out there and aired in the public. Look, I can go on and on about why I'm angry with Dennis Hopeless. That guy, <laughs> come on. Um, uh, but at the moment that you happened upon us, I was angry at him because he makes fun of my love of Black Wolf. Mm. Um, Black Wolf was a 10-issue series, comic, Marvel comic series that ran in the 90s when I was working at a comic book store. And at the time, I thought it was the most original superhero comic I had ever read. Um, it was definitely probably my favorite uh, alongside Clandestine. Yes. So those were my two favorite you know, new series at the time. And, uh, and yeah, it was, it, I don't know, I just, there's something about that book. I thought it had a lot of great, unique characters. It was definitely set in the Marvel Universe, but I think they, you know, they, they were doing basically a cast of all new characters who yeah, were not really associated yeah. with, yeah. And, uh, you know, it didn't last, as many of my favorite series back then didn't last. Um, but I have always had fond memories of Black Wolf. And years and years ago, before I... I did anything with, with Marvel, maybe before I was doing any comics at all, I was, uh, I have a notebook around here somewhere where I, I have a fully detailed Black Wolf relaunch. Oh, that, <laughs> that I, I would love to see. On. It's a, it's a thing of, it, it's, it's, well, I was going to say the thing of beauty, but let's just leave that. It's a, it's something to see. It's a thing. Um, it's something to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I you know I love the series. You know, as I'm talking to you, I just recently got into having old comics bound. Yeah, you hard covers. Yep. And you know, I've got my Black Wolf hardcover on my you know in my hand right oh. now, looking at it because it was such a a great 
a great book. And yeah, I, I think I was trying to convince Jason Aaron that it's a book he needs to check out because most people, when I tell them about it, don't even, they don't believe it exists. Right. Um, um, because it really is a bizarre book. I mean, it's a strange series with, you know, identical twins and Zorro like elements. And it, it was a, and and deviants. It was it was heavily focused on the the deviants in the Marvel. To be clear, that yeah, that's the race in the Marvel universe, not actual right. You know, deviants. yeah, the the deviant race. Yes. Yeah, uh, it was. But anyway, I just remember thinking it was a great. I mean, I still do. I think it's a, a, it was a wonderful science fiction series. And every chance I get, I I'm still looking for the day that I can bring Black Wolf into uh, into one of my. It's gonna say into one of my books. You gotta wait till the right time. Well, it's a difficult. It's, he's difficult to bring into a book because you know. He, he, well, look, as a writers always want to. You know, they have all these things they love, and sometimes writing those characters isn't going to live up to the thought of writing those characters. Mm. So I would never want to do. You know, you know, it, it would. Uh, my research into Black Wolf might show too too heavily if I uh, if I add him to some series. Right. Well, <laughs> I mean, you did bring back the DOA. That was a pretty deep I did cut. bring back DOA. That's true. You that's can bring true. Back DOA, Again, that's certainly there's a place for Black Wolf. Well, you never know. I, I just I, I'm 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 always on the lookout for that moment that uh, that Black Wolf might uh, you know make a you know, make a reappearance. Well, I'm on the lookout for it too. Now, um, it was great talking to you, Colin. People can follow you on Twitter at Colin Bunn. Is there anything else you want to put out there for people to take a look at? No, I think that's that's it, man. You know, like I said, the the Drax is coming out right now. Yep. Uh, Uncanny X Men starts very either soon. late December or early January. Yep. But, very uh, soon. Very yeah. soon. So very soon. So be on the lookout. Cool. Thank you so much, Colin. Talk to you later. Thank you. All right. Talk soon. Okay. We're back. We're back. Whoa. Better than ever. Better than Ezra, one would say. Probably just blew someone's eardrums. Yes. Uh, so questions and comments time. Um, we've got uh, some stuff, regular questions and comments. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, what people are super excited about for 2016. Mm-hmm. We also got a couple emails, just mm. three. One um, uh, is from, I'm pulling it up on the email machine, from Don, he uh, he says he addresses it to Ryan, Rich, Wolfman, and the Strominator. Oh, cool, cool, good old Rich. I'm not sure who Rich is, but you I know, like it. Um, Rich works hard; he deserves some recognition. Yeah, Don says uh, thanks for the loyal podcasting and the bi-coastal representation. Mm-hmm. Your cast is one of the most dependable ones I subscribe to. I've been listening for years and continue to appreciate the Twim URC and issue summaries. Very nice. Yeah. So thank you. On behalf you. of Rich, thank you. Yes, Don. And so this is a question I forgot. I wanted to grab Tom Brevoort for this one, mm. uh, but maybe it was. You can tell me if this is addressed on the, the Brevoort show. All right, hit me. He's uh, Don has a question about continuity. He says, while I enjoy the various universes and the stories for the most part as they are, I was under the impression Secret Wars was supposed to consolidate characters so long Ultimate Universe into the main line. But we still see parallel locations in Spider Verse and Gwen Stacy's. Uh, Sandbox continues to be immense fun. Will there be more consolidation ahead, or will it 
explanation rain as new stories continue to be told or expansion rain as new stories continue to be told he says i'd love to hear an answer especially if mr brevoort would be willing to chime in with additional insight keep reading <laughs> there as you'll see in spider gwen and other places there are still alternate universes but there are more books coming up that are gonna delve into this a lot I, you know what i would say keep an eye on ultimates ultimates is a book to watch if you want to try to understand how the new Marvel Universe works. Yes. Also, Secret Wars number nine mm -hmm. is coming next week. And yeah, I read it. You've read it. Read so it. Uh, it uh, Secret Wars number nine also... You know what, actually? The last few pages of Secret Wars number nine may be the best place to answer this question. Yeah. It's basically a giant pizza party. Yeah, it's right? a huge pizza party where everyone just gets together and answers all of your questions. Yes. Uh, so, hope you know, we didn't really answer, but hopefully we answered enough to sate your appetite. No, no, now that you mention it, um, Secret Wars number nine does give a pretty good answer yeah. to what's going on as far as uh, whether or not there are still alternate universes. Yes. Uh, shout out to one of our youngest listeners. Yeah. He's 13 years old. Hit me up on Instagram. His name is Drake. 371 or Does Blue. Does he need his parents' permission to listen to this podcast? Or or Blue Papa, as he calls himself. Mm -hmm. um, you know what? Parents just don't understand they just don't this week in Marvel. Yeah. So, you know, that's that. All right. So, on to regular questions and comments. We've got one more uh, email that is falling under our 2016 stuff. So, we'll get to that later in the show. But first up, Agent Twim Tyler Short says, Mecha Doom is a thing. Oh my God, I love you, Marvel. What's that from? I'm not sure. Me neither. But you're welcome. Yeah, I love Mecha Doom. I love Doom. Doom. Doom is like the best. Doom, Doom, Doom. How can you not love Doom? You're sure going to love Secret Wars number nine, which is out next week. Terrific. I read it already. Christine Creedon says, uh, listening to the podcast this week in Marvel, only listen to the first part about the new comics. The rest is just buzzing in my ear. I now, mean, I'll just assume that your your technology is malfunctioning, <laughs> and that's what's happening. Uh, I will say I followed up with her and said... Uh, well, hey, you know, we're going to talk about this comment in the second half of the show if you mm -hmm. listen. And she actually said she often tunes out because we talk about wrestling. Wow. And, uh, that old chestnut. That old chestnut. But uh, she does say she, she sometimes listens with her husband and, okay. and, and stuff like that. So whatever. It's all good. At least she's listening to part of it. Whatever part you we'll, guys enjoy We'll take what most. we can get. Yeah. Beggars uh, can't be choosers. No. Uh, Grant Gregory says, looking forward to Obi-Wan and Anakin in 2016 and more. Kanan, no prequel love in the upcoming films, but there is in your comics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think Kanan's going to be wrapping up in a no. few months. No. How dare unfortunately. you? What are you doing? Sorry. You monster. Um, but we will continue to explore all aspects of the Star Wars <laughs> universe. You son of a gun. I'm so sorry to be the one to break that news to you. Did you just get Canadian? You said sorry. I'm so sorry to break that news to you. Ugh. Haywood says, last week's pick was Drax number two by CM Punk and crew. A very different take on Terax with brawls and swerves all around. Swerves. Swerves. It takes, a, it takes a former wrestling superstar to get those swerves in there. Yeah. Haywood also says, yes, thank you for the newest This Week in Marvel podcast with the professor, Tom Brevoort. Mm, honorary doctorate. Yeah. Stowed upon him by Haywood. Kyle Charles, Johnny Chimple. Johnny Timples. I must Johnny say, Chimpo? Johnny Chimpulse. Uh, I must, wait, hold on. Before I, anyone who knows what Johnny Chimpo oh. uh, is gets 10 twin points. Okay, there you go. I must say that Patsy Walker Hellcat was cute and awesome. Loved it. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I'm still, I have a bunch of comics mm -hmm. I have to read. I have a stack over on my uh, my desk that I need to get to. Spoiler, Ben. It was my pick. Oh, was it? Yeah. Ooh. It's not a spoiler. It already nope. happened. Yep. 
I love the shady criminal underworld in the Marvel Universe. Illuminati is such a fun book. I love Illuminati. Yeah. That's one of my uh, my hidden gems. Howling Commanders of Shield reminds me of the budget version of the Expendables, <laughs> but in a good way. I'm gonna I'm gonna go say this though, but it would take more of a budget to have like you know amphibians and werewolves and stuff like that. So they're yeah. actually like the high end version of the Expendables. Yeah, you would have to pay three Chuck Norrises to get one. Was it Orgo? Yeah, yeah. Orgo don't work cheap. No, Orgo definitely don't work not. Cheap. Werewolf Cap Sam is not having the best of luck, and poor Diamond Head, I started to like her. Bad stuff happening yeah. to uh, to the folks over it. Yeah, that, maybe Werewolf Cap Sam should be, which is a great name, um, Werewolf Cap Sam should be part of the Howling Commandos of S.H.I.E.L.D. He would fit right in. Well, two, two wolf-ish characters on the same team. You know, there's going to be a lot of butt sniffing yeah. and, and neck biting. That going sounds on. great. Yeah. That I, sounds like a dream. <laughs> yeah. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur is such a cute little book. If I had kids, I would read it to them. Well, save it. Yeah. You know, maybe someday you'll have the opportunity. There read was, it to someone else's kids. Yeah. There was um, this great link that was passed around uh, because there's a college student who looks exactly like Lunetta. Oh, cool. uh, and actually, it was an article from her, her school. She's like a music person. I apologize for not remembering her name or the school. Mm. But she uh, she's doing some really cool studies about music. But she has the same haircut and the wow. glasses. And they the article from her school actually talked about Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Oh, that's right. And said, like, superheroes come in all types and, like, yeah. all this other stuff. It was really awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, so you can Google it very vaguely and hopefully you'll find it. Yeah, Google Moon Girl, Devil Dinosaur and just keep College looking. music. College music. Yeah. There we go. I love Agent M's G.I. Joe, the movie reference in episode 217 when referring to Jessica Drew's daughter. Please I, catch me up on this. I imagine I was talking about Galobulus because I oh, tend yeah. to always talk like about Galobulus, but it could be something else. In reference to Jessica Drew's daughter? Yeah, I don't know. Can't, can't connect I love one. Galobulus, though. Yeah. Who doesn't love Galobulus? Um, Sergeant I, Slaughter? Well, I, if we can forgive Sergeant Slaughter for what he did during the, uh, the Persian <laughs> Gulf War, I think <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter can forgive Galobulus. It's true. I really hope that Hobo, Loki, and Lady Thor can be friends. I don't see it going that way. I remember a few years ago, I didn't care for Deadpool at all, but now I love him. Thank you, Jerry Duggan. Thank you for giving giving Deadpool a chance, Kyle. Yeah. Rafa B, did we hear, bad cover version, Ryan's wife, cooking and her voice while Agent M was recording the Holidays uh, episode of This Week in Marvel? No. No. Uh, you may friends. have heard her in the background, but that was my mother-in-law. Oh, there you go. Yes, and she was cooking. I was propped up in our in the kitchen in Baton Rouge mm-hmm. and uh, recording the episode. There you go. Whatever it takes. Every morning on French TV, X-Men Evolution, Avengers Arts Mightiest Heroes, and Ultimate Spider-Man, only voiced in French. That sounds like a great way to wake up. Wow. The fr- France has won this round. France has won this round. We'll get you, France. First Marvel video game ever, Spider-Man, developed by Parker Brothers. Can't be a coincidence. Ah, I see what mm-hmm, you did there. Mm-hmm, Very mm-hmm. clever. I, I, you can talk to me about this because I've been hearing a lot about this. This uh, 10,000 character lim- characters limit by tweet. Get ready, Agent M and Ben J. Morse, to read long tweets on This Week in Marvel. So what's, what's, what's going on here? So What's happening? So what uh, it seems like Twitter is likely going to be doing, mm-hmm. uh, and they, I, I'm not sure if they fully outlined it, but they've been talking about it, is that they are going to, you know how you upload a an image or whatever, and you have sometimes you have to click on it to see the full thing. Sure. So you'll be able to do your regular tweet, 140 characters, but there'll be 
you have then an additional limit that lets you write more. You'll have to click Someone on it to, to see more. To see it. Yeah. So it's not like it's it's not like you're gonna fill up your whole thing immediately by having those. But yes, potentially but if they do mean this, we're gonna have to read a lot of stuff. Potentially. So. But I also opened up the email, yeah. uh, you know, thing to people. So we're already getting. We're not afraid. Yeah. Bring it on. Yes. We Bring love you guys. Let on. it happen. Last one from Rap AB, watching Sana Aminat on Seth Meyers, or at least the extracts on YouTube. I like that. Extracts. That's a nice little yeah. language barrier deal there. The conspiracy theory cracked me up. I have it DDR'd. I haven't watched it yet. I, you I, watched it yet? I, heard, I heard bits and pieces, mm -hmm. but the player that was on the internet was a little bit tough to, mm -hmm. uh, to, to get all of it. I'll be watching when I go home because I fall asleep at like 9 o'clock at night. Oh, yeah. I, There's I no need, way I was. If I'm not in bed by 11 o'clock and watching Golden Girls, mm -hmm. something has gone horrifically wrong. I would say. And also, thank God the holidays are over because Golden Girls is back Ugh. 11 p.m. every night on Hallmark Channel. Oh, my God. Seriously, it was driving me nuts all through December because Hallmark Channel just turns what to were, what were they airing? all Christmas. Oh, it's Christmas movies and Christmas nonsense. Blah, 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 not blah. Not even Christmas episodes of I Golden even, Girls? No, no. Wow. Uh, and it was, you think they could do that? There's only seven seasons, and I don't know if every season had a Christmas episode. Anyway, um, I needed my Golden Girls, and they're back. You got and it made back. Me so happy. You got the fix. Yes. Very nice. All right. Rob Nolan says, my twim of whatever week it was mm. is Astonishing Ant-Man number three. Nick Spencer makes Machine Smith so much fun to read. Totally. Rob also says, back to work. Back to the walk to work. Back to the voices of Agent M and Ben Morse every morning. Life is back to normal. Now, every morning. Yeah. Do you listen or, in chunks? It must Maybe. be like a five-minute walk, and he sure. listens bit by bit. Totally. Yeah. I dig it. I dig it. Ross Meyer says, thank you for the Wonder Years interview. What's They're it? one of my favorite bands. Wonder oh, Years. I thought you interviewed the cast of the Wonder Years, and I somehow missed them coming in. No, Wonder Years is a, like a pop-punk band. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Ross, that's cool. Uh, I'm trying to think of bands that I love that you might dig. Uh, check out a band called Silent Majority. They were a band from the 90s in Long Island where I grew up. You can hear me talk about them on the Turned Out a Punk episode mm -hmm. I did with Damian Abraham, if you've heard that. Um, but they influence so much like melodic hardcore and pop punk stuff that I think you'll dig, Ross. Uh, Ross also says, Contest of Champions is taking over my life. Not, ah. sure if, not sure if this is good or bad. It's for the best. Just yeah. let it happen. Yeah. So Ross is one of the people who often comments on the show using a photo of longer text. Yeah. So the longer character That's limit will be really see. great for Ross. Yeah. And it'll be it'll be great. It'll make it so much easier for him and for us. You're welcome, Ross. Yeah. RP67 back. He says, uh, hey guys, way behind on comics and episodes. Really need to catch up. We'll be up to date soon. Okay. And, and he says, why do I have the feeling the Zodiac will be making an appearance on S.H.I.E.L.D.? That'd be kind of cool. This, there was a Zodiac thing in the original Agent Carter Marvel one-shot, I believe, that she's going after Zodiac stuff. Mm. I would love to see Zodiac on S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, I think yeah. it's a, they're classic S.H.I.E.L.D. villains. They're cool. They yeah. have a neat gimmick. One hundo. be nice. Totally. Uh, Simon Sebs, after hearing Stromy Italian accent, I've decided I won't make fun of Agent M accents for a while. Did Stromy attempt an Italian accent? Stromy... Murdered us all by oh, doing God. Italian Christopher Walken. Oh gosh! It was it's been a, a while since I've heard a strami Christopher Walken, and uh, at the same time, far too short. Yeah. Marvel Comics. I'm looking forward to in 2016: Black Panther, Spider-Man, Captain Marvel, and Power Man and Iron Fist. That's a short list. I think we need to uh, pump it up a yeah. little. Yeah, I should have put this in the 2016 list. Whatever. Yeah. Well, 
We're getting to it now because Marvel TV I'm looking forward to in 2016. Luke Cage and Agent Carter Season 2. Movie I'm looking forward to in 2016. Captain America Civil War. Poor Doctor Strange. Yeah, what up? What's up with that? Weeping into his Eye of Agamotto. <sighs> Tech Lord, Lex Pendragon, Doctor Who fans need to check out the latest Marvel superheroes, What The, which you talked about earlier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't believe we got away with that. I know. Um, <laughs> it sounds like... Strami is podcasting from his bathroom radiator. Ooh. True fact. Yeah. That's where, he, that's where he does it. Unworthy Elevator says, hashtag, you know you're a geek when you're the only one who laughs at Darren Cross's Tales to Astonish crack in Ant-Man. I don't think you're the only one. No. Maybe the only one in your theater. Well, well maybe, maybe Hope for Summer was the only one who laughed in their theater, but I think that's definitely a, a geek sign. <coughs> um... <clears throat> Zach Ritzman says, Hitmonkey. Good God, yes. More Hitmonkey. Howling Command has a shield. Yeah. Each and every month. Each uh, and every issue. Zach, if you've not read the original Hitmonkey stuff, oh, yeah. get on that. There There's the Deadpool issues featuring Hitmonkey. There is the one, the limited series mm-hmm. with Hitmonkey. Daniel Way. Yeah. So there's definitely Hitmonkey out there for you to enjoy. Harry Go loves Hitmonkey. Does he? Well, yeah, because he worked on the... Uh, when it was because that was a digital debut, he debuted digitally, right? And uh, Harry was heavily involved in that. Nice. And Harry likes stuff that he works on. Yeah, Harry only appreciates his own. He's a big work. fan. He's a big fan of his own work. Yeah. So as I said, we reached out to fans to find out what they're excited about in 2016. First up, I will look at an email from our boy Haywood. Uh, use the power of email to say, uh, Dear Ryan, Ben, and crew, 2015 was a good year for Marvel. We saw Daredevil and Jessica Jones brought to life on the small screen. We got Ant-Man on the silver screen. Comics, uh, which were comics-wise, there was so much that happened. We saw everything end. We saw female characters being more empowered than being on the sidelines. What I see and hope for Marvel 2016 is, and he's got a list. Oh, a list. Love lists. Haywood uh, says. Peter Parker flourishing even more and surpassing Reed Richards and being the go-to authority in science and technology. Yeah. Uh, he hopes to see more synergy between the TV and new Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. book. So that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, well, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. book is is going to bring in a lot of characters from the show. Uh, it'll, it'll be cool. Yeah. Uh, he says, I hope to see a certain blind lawyer appear on Luke, on Luke Cage's Netflix show. Mm. Mm, we'll see. Too soon to tell. Yeah. He says, I hope to, we get to see the Marvel Cinematic Universe in Agents uh, and Netflix and Big Screen come together to fight Thanos. Uh, even if that were to happen, that wouldn't be this year. Not this year. Yeah. Not 2016. No. Unless there's something we haven't been told about. Yeah. Unless uh, there's a really big episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> coming up. <laughs> Uh, Haywood says the re- he wants to see the redemption of Scott Summers. Mm. Well, right now, Scott Summers is uh, MIA, presumed dead. Yeah. So it's, he's going to be hard to redeem, but I guess keep reading. Yeah. And finally, he says, Black Bolt playing, uh, paying for releasing the Terrigen Mists. Yeah, Black Bolt hasn't really been uh, held to account, but I have a feeling there is a large group of mutants who would certainly love to have a chat with him. Hey, a Black Bolt. one-sided chat. Black Bolt, you're a jerk. Yeah. Thank, you. Thank, you, Thank you, Magneto. No problem, man. <laughs> All right, let's find out what else you guys are excited about in 2016. Uh, Mirror Warrior says Daredevil Season 2. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. What? I forgot to push this up front. Um, we had so many tweets come in mm-hmm. for this stuff. I actually had to narrow down some of them. Okay. So the number of people who who just all I said in one way, shape, or form was Captain America Civil War. Were... Uh, 
was many. It was includes, and I want to give them credit. Uh, Tasha Romanoff, Gamanet, HTTP Avenge This, uh, Hakim Hazkim, Carlos Extrande, uh, Gabby Amalia, Coyambro, Adam Bantfield, Deerstalker 221B, uh, Mubashir, uh, Lila Souza, Crescendo, Alice Poppy H, Linda Wonder, M.W. Bauer, Proflix Poster, Captain Cutter, Hollow Crowns, Rish Factor, Lady Wolfie. I wonder Whoa, if Lady Wolfie knows our Wolfman. Couldn't be. <laughs> uh, Jonita V5661, fan of Seb Stan, uh, Captain Nessa, Abby Bird 16, Cross Rain, and Hooper Cast. Now, those were just people who. We're just, said like, we're just like Cap Civil War. Civil War. Civil War. I want Civil War. I had to make a, an own its own category for Deadpool and Civil War. Mm-hmm. To, they said these okay. people, and it was like numerous people saying both Deadpool and Civil War in the same tweet. It was Jay Kitten, uh, Wiccan TXT, Jedi Kink. I like that name. Savannah <laughs> Lizen. Uh, what's my at again? Jackie Firestar, uh, Ai Shadava, and Gender Error. Uh, all those people wanted both of those. And it was really great exciting. Twitter names, so that was yeah. that was fun just to hear those. Alex Forrest and Diana. Uh, Alex Forrest and Gems Fitz also wanted just, just Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Justice so, all right, back. All right, I'm going to try to do this again. Mirror Warrior, Daredevil Season 2, Loki Marvel, Civil War, then Doctor Strange. Poor Doctor Strange, just getting a complex here. Um, and Nessevia. Hope I got that close to right. Deadpool, Captain America: Civil War, Doctor Strange. A lot of people psyched about the uh, the big screen offerings. Yeah. Tat Thousand. I'm excited about Civil War and Doctor Strange in 2016. Also, season two of Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist two. Uh, I will say we don't know when Iron Fist is coming. So yeah, we don't I, know when the next season of Jessica Jones would be, if there is one. Yeah, exactly. Correct. 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 But all the Netflix stuff is awesome. So we'll just say we're excited about Netflix Marvel. Yeah. Veli Chorexo, Captain America Civil War, X-Men Apocalypse, Deadpool, and Doctor Strange. Then two emojis with tongues sticking out. Yeah. Don't miss what those. What are you to say? Yeah. Uh, Animated Wolfie says Deadpool Civil War and also... It's another member of the Wolfman family. <laughs> also X-Men. Uh, very excited. Something about Logan being recreated. I'm all about it. We want more Logan. It's, they're talking about the continuity of the X-Men movies. Oh. They're saying the new X-Men know. movie, since things have happened and then got recreated after Wolverine went back in time. Got it. Thank you for interpreting. Not a problem. I speak internet. Yeah. Uh, Verocious Raven says Captain America Civil War and Doctor Strange. Uh, Funky Calrissian, which is a great name, great one. says Captain Marvel, uh, which is great because yeah, that new, the book just started. Starts on the 20th. Just starts on the 20th. Yeah. Uh, Chris Brown says, I'm excited to see why Captain America and female Thor are lip-locked. Mm. Hopefully it's more than just a ruse. A ruse, a clever attempt to fool you. Yes, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, Tybalt262 says he wants to see the Iron Fist Netflix series. Again, we don't know when we that'll know be. It's coming. It Cla- will happen someday, though. Yes. Cloud Blue says, Sharon Carter, a.k.a. Agent 13, Emily Van Camp, is what I'm excited most for. Nice. We'll see her in Civil War. Correct. Uh, Cora Rose wants Doctor Strange in all caps. Uh, Crack Tricks wants uh, Doctor Strange and the final chapter of Seeger Wars. It's coming next week. I've read it. Have you? Yeah. I didn't know that. It exists. Yeah. And our boy uh, T- uh, Denton Taiwan Paris says Civil War and Doctor Strange. All caps. I'm seeing, uh, I'm seeing a pattern here. Yeah. 
Uh, Diana, Gems Fits. The podcast wants us to write what Marvel they are we most excited for, and I'm just is 3B of Agents of Shield acceptable or second part of Agents of Shield season three. Basically, to break it down, she's excited about the second part of the third season of Marvel's Agents of Shield. Yeah, the 3B got me thinking about 3MB, which got me thinking about the social outcasts. Oh yeah, how Just, hip are you to that? Um, it's a weird grouping. I love it. I it's it's I you know what? Give them something to do. I don't yeah. understand why uh, Damian Sandow's not with them though. Yeah, he's not been anywhere. He seems conspicuous by his absence. Hmm. Anyways, we'll see where that goes. Eve Harmon says, seen more of Sharon Carter. That's two for that. Wow, people are excited for some Sharon Carter. Yeah. Figgy 999, most anticipated in 2016, more episodes of This Week in Marvel. Oh. Uh, GIM, the endless possibility of a Black Widow movie. Please announce it. You <laughs> never know what's getting around the corner. Uh, Great Old Sky says, Kate Leth's ongoing run with Hellcats. Yeah. Isadora Darcy says, Clintasha, I don't even care what verse. I'll take it. Ever thought of a team-up limited series? Black Widow and Hawkeye. People want to see them together. I've been getting this request a lot on Twitter, actually. Um, Stay tuned. Yeah. Indie Mutt says, I am way excited for Doctor Strange, my favorite hero from years back. Can't wait. I like that Doctor Strange is making kind of a second-half resurgence here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Podcast. Yeah. Jasmine says the conclusion of Secret Wars, Deadpool, Civil War, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Also, Rocket Raccoon's 40th anniversary in the summer as well. Thanks for letting us know. Yeah. You have to tag that one. Yeah. Uh, Shawbatch says, Doctor Strange with three exclamation points. Jeremy Perkins says, the Doctor Strange movie, hands down. Can't wait for the Sorcerer Supreme to hit the big screen. And Jess B. says, definitely Doctor Strange in November. Civil War should be fun, too, but Doctor Strange. The Doctor Strange fans, obviously, they're, they're the latecomers. I like it. They're fashionably late. It's good. Joe Lifereap, Civil War and Avengers Assemble. Kim Nath, Agent Carter, Mahak Khan, Deadpool, Civil War, Doctor Strange, and let's not forget, this is a good one, let's not forget Lego Marvel Avengers. Agreed. Matt Vaughn says, do we have to pick one thing? No, we didn't say that. Civil War. He picked one thing, yeah. Civil War. You didn't have to do that, though. Yep. Uh, Michaela Zeman says, I'm totally freaking out about Civil War and how much it will break my heart. Oh. Mm. Michelangelo from the Ninja Turtles says, yep. uh, Spider-Man Deadpool series, which is out now, yeah. and we loved it. It yeah. was your pick of the week. Yeah. Miranda Miller, Civil Captain America Civil War, the second half of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Doctor Strange. Nice. Miss Carr. Jarvis on Agent Carter, Civil War, Secret Warriors, and figuring out who it really is on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm. NJ says Captain America Civil War, OMG. Is that part of the title? (laughs) Captain America Civil War, OMG. And Black Panther and Doctor Strange and Daredevil and Deadpool. Just excited about tons of stuff. Totally. Uh, Paola, Kaida75, says Civil War and, of course, all the hashtag Stucky. Sorry, not sorry. What, what is this? You don't know what Stucky is? What is Stucky? Stephen Bucky. Oh, they, yeah. They got I their own name that. for it. Yeah, I like totally. that. I like that. Penelope Cat says, in 2016, I'm looking forward to more Marvel series starring their female superheroes. You'll get them. And more diversity on and off the page. You'll get it. Yeah. He says, I'm also looking forward to more Disney Kingdom series in 2016. Can't wait for Haunted Mansion. Haunted Mansion is going to be a big one. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's like the... Uh, 
the WrestleMania of Disney Kingdom series thus far. Uh, Penelope Cat also says, finally, I'm also hoping for more Gerber Man-Thing reprints and tons of Doctor Strange reprints in 2016. I would hazard a guess you'll probably see a lot of Doctor Strange collections and reprints uh, about the summer or so. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Queen of Scoffs, the new Black Widow comic by Somnian Wade. Hell yeah. Rocket Raccoon, LW, or Raccoonatic. Uh, Marvel Heroes 2016 update that's coming soon Captain America Civil War and it's Rocket Raccoon 40th anniversary in June yeah Rocketite Herald definitely the Rocket Raccoon 40th anniversary I like that three different people that's it's great. great Susan Andrews Captain America Civil War at the top of my list and learning more about Lincoln on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. hashtag Seer Warriors the Noble Gamer uh, says all of them all of them everything, everything. Great. Great. That's our favorite type of fan. Yeah. Tiki Gamer says, most excited for Civil War, Doctor Strange a close second. What a runoff we have here. Mm -hmm. Wesley Choi says, season one of Luke Cage. Yes. Uh, yes. What, what, uh, Bang Popcorn says, uh, Deadpool, Civil War, Agents of Shields, Agent Carter. There's so much good stuff. We have that. And Zawiza the Thankful says the return of Thunderbird or the return of Marvel Team Up or something else entirely. I think we can definitely help with at least one of those three. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, I think someone, I think it might have been Simon Williams brought up that it's 50th anniversary of Black Panther Is it? this year. I didn't know that. I think. Let's see. It's we have to look into that. 50th anniversary of Black Panther. Yeah, 1965. I'll, I'll check it 66. out. 66. 66? We're in That's right. 2016. We're in, oh, my God. Yeah. What a world. Yeah. What a world. What a world. Is that it? That's it. Going? We did it. A lot of stuff. I'm going to go get some lunch. Yeah. Lunch would be good. Yeah. Uh, it's almost time for dinner. Um, <laughs> uh, so, next week, Twim URC is... Starbrand. Starbrand. It is up. I, I activated it first thing this week. So, Great. you guys should be able to check it out on the app, on the site. Give it a read. I'm excited to read it this weekend. Yeah, that's, it should be cool. I've never read it. so I've never read it either. Yeah. I've never read... The only New Universe stuff I've read is DP7. So... This is all leading to or us doing... Cyforce? I don't know. One of the two. This One is all leading to us doing Kickers Incorporated. Someday. At the dream. For the start of the next NFL season. Yeah, it's a long ways away. We <laughs> can do it for the Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, we'll probably do Deadpool at that point. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Anyway, lots of fun stuff. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll be back with more episodes yeah, soon. That's what we do. Yeah, we do this every week, nonstop. It's Marvel, your universe.